and welcome to episode 16 of We Have Such Films to Show You. Uh, I am Josh Millard. This is Yakov Grinberg. What's happening, everybody? I like how this is a spatial preposition that somehow is supposed to work on audio. Like over what? here, over here. It's, oh. Look, 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 look there. It's Yakov. Over 3,000 miles away yeah. in the red trunks. There's, there's, something, there's something a little bit strange about it. Uh, this modern I world. Mean, what I, what I, maybe what maybe people are pretending we're, we're sitting in the same room, like, and just communicating at each other through studio glass or something. Well, you know, and if if we didn't tell them, they might not know. I mean, I feel like we have such a such a natural rapport. Uh, neither of us knows how to shut up, and so there's a very you know naturalistic crosstalk. You normally have to be in the same room to to really accomplish. Yeah, and if we're good at talking <laughs> at one another. <laughs> Talk good. We also would have accepted a very long, awkward pause uh, to to belie the the notion. Uh, yeah, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty good. Um, these movies were, you know, it's been a while since we've done some like genuinely bad movies, and I forgot how genuinely bad movies are bad. Well, yeah, they're they're, they're bad. Uh, I, I suppose we should say for anybody who we didn't actually say this yet, this is prophecy uprising and prophecy. Uh, Forsaken. Forsaken, two two films, films four and five in the the prophecy franchise, uh, films without Christopher Walken in them, uh, and uh, without uh, much of anything else in them either. They're they're really not very good. No, um, no, and they are they're they're done by. It was the same crew, some of the same cast, and uh, the same you know writers and directors as Hellraiser. Hang on, it was Hellraiser Deader and Hellraiser Hellworld, right? Yes, yes. Yes. A.K.A. Seven, the oh, one yeah, in Bucharest and, and the one in the Haunted House. Uh, yep. And I suspect it was some of the same sets and or uh, location shots. I would not be sure. There, there are certain scenes that I feel could have easily made the transition with a little bit of care. Like, like this could have gone from being a set of two pairs of movies that are obviously produced in the same machinery, but not as a set. Uh, to being a really interesting, if probably still kind of dumb, but but at least it could have been interesting, like really married set of films. Like they really could have done like two or three things in each of the films, like just little notes to make it a, oh my God, it's all related sort of thing. Uh, but they did not. They they did not do that. And so nope. I just have to sort of grasp at straws. I mean, you know, they they have uh, they they have such a volatile fan base that they probably didn't want to really just mix the two people. There'd be there'd be fights in the street. Those nasty Hellraiser prophecy rumbles. People are yeah, about, you know, it's rough. Yeah. Um, oh, before we actually get to the movies, there was uh, I wanted to mention something. So somebody on the Facebook group, which you should join if you're on Facebook, because we talk about things there. Um, hang on, I'm pulling it up right in front of me now. Who was this? Oh, well, good job, Facebook, at not loading very quickly. <laughs> anyway, um, so somebody asked if we were going to do any actually scary, scary movies. Um, and I think that's a good idea. And I don't think we have anything specific. It was um, Kristen Gillespie. Kristen Gillespie. Hello, Kristen. Um, oh, wait, no, it wasn't Kristen Gillespie. It was, <laughs> but Kristen was there, too. Kristen was there, too. Yes. Um, you were there, there and Matthew you were there. Shep yeah, Matthew Shepard uh, uh, suggested that we um, would do some actually scary movies. Um, he mentioned VHS, which uh, we mentioned the previous episode. And um, 
you know, we, we've, we've, you know, we've had some conversation about stuff that we're going to do for the next one. I don't think we have anything. Yeah, I think we settled it. decided, yeah. But um, if you want to go onto the Facebook group or, you know, get us on, on Twitter or Metafilter, email us. I mean, if you're listening to this, you, you know at least one way of getting in touch with us. Don't come to my house. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, suggest, you know, uh, like a uh, genuinely scary movie that you want to see. I know we had uh, somebody mentioned... Um, Somebody on Twitter, I think, mentioned Poltergeist. Um, House of the Devil is the one that Kristen Gillespie mentioned. Um, but yeah, so just uh, drop us a line. Let us know, you know, a movie that actually scares the crap out of you. And then yeah, and I, I, I'd be curious to see, you know, what people are thinking of there too. Because I mean, I, I I understand the suggestion, and I will say yes. Like by and large, we have not been picking movies based on their capacity to genuinely provide scares. But at the same time, scary movie is kind of a tricky subjective thing because, I mean, there are certainly movies that want to be scary and affect startlement, but that aren't really very good scary movies. And and then there's movies that I don't think are traditionally the scary movies tend to be the ones that unsettle me more because I... Like The Shining is like classically a dilemma here because it's a it's it's kubrick who is not a horror director doing a horror film that does not feel like a horror film and and i thought i I feel like that is one of the most successfully unsettling you know sort of scary movies i've seen but it doesn't quite you know fit the horror movie uh you know rubric that well right (laughs) <laughs> Kubrick, rubric, um, oh, Kubrick, it's, it's it's fun st- to say. It's still Sunday morning uh, over on on this side of the the three thousand mile gap. Still, uh, still getting my feet under me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess that's the thing. I mean, I, I I'm curious what people yeah. feel like are, are good examples of a really scary movie. Because I mean, I thought like the American make remake of of the ring was pretty good at being a scary horror movie but at the same time like that versus the japanese version and there's a whole bunch of i don't know it's a complicated question i guess it's a complicated question that apparently i'm less equipped to actually expound upon than i thought i was two minutes ago when i opened my mouth about this (laughs) but uh but yeah no i actually i think i think that's i think that's something to dig into and yeah it would be interesting to watch a movie that we think was trying to and we think more or less succeeded at being scary rather than just being a film that was technically in a horror franchise. Right. And I promise that, you know, whatever scary movie you do pick, I will watch it at night in the dark. Ah, good call. Good call. Yeah, I'm, I, I may have to... <laughs> it's, it's possible my wife will dimmer on uh, that project because she, she gets a little bit more spooked by horror stuff than I do. Um, I think I think the same way that someone who hasn't gone to concerts and stood in the front row for thirty years gets a little bit more spooked by loud noises. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm really a nerd at this point to uh, to a lot of the effects of it. Like, which is kind of a shame because I mean uh, it'd be nice to be able to get a, a more of a cheap scare sometimes because I kind of enjoy a you know scary movie. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you really it's hard not to get analytical. I think part of it, and it's hard not to let uh, defense mechanisms kick in to sort of dispel the, the 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 spookiness like it's it's because yeah. I, I mean for a lot of movies like regardless of how genuinely well they're made like you will you, you're, you're gonna see the wires or like the zipper suit and the monster and you know it, it's hard to make a movie that is just scary all the way through um that you know doesn't just sort of at, at some point just just sort of reveal itself and then take away from it a little bit yeah it's it's hard to find a movie like that that's also not 
scary in a way that's not fun. Yeah. Because there's, um, you know, they're, they're scary that's fun, and then they're scary that's not fun. I think those are both, you know, total personal things. Like, I don't like house invasion movies, but it doesn't really have anything to do with me being scared. It's just mostly that they produce, like, uh, sort of anxiety in me that I don't oh, sure, find yeah. entertaining. And yeah. so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I forgot where I was going with that, but. Yes. So yes, interesting question. We should we should we should yeah. look at so those. yeah. Get in touch with us. Let us know. Um, and yeah, so maybe we and we will probably do some of the movies you tell you tell us because <laughs> we like movies and yep. um, it, we keep doing these things. So yeah. and if, if you if you suggest things that are on uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime or or YouTube or something that that would be extra nice. Yes, yes all the better that way. Uh, Oh man, you know, I just saw, see, and this is going in the other direction from probably like, you know, going straight for real scary, but uh, Grabbers is on Netflix now, which is a recent, uh, I think, Irish horror film, but like horror comedy, uh, like aliens or monsters or something invade, uh, but it turns out that they're maybe allergic to alcohol, so the entire (laughs) town has to, this is just the premise, I haven't seen it, but this is the premise that I remember hearing, essentially the town needs to stay in in the pub being drunk in order to be safe from the aliens or something like that. So, uh, I'll probably watch that at some point. Maybe we'll watch that, but I don't know. Uh, but that, that may be more in the horror comedy section rather than the let's scare the shit out of someone, uh, section. Uh, speaking of films that aren't scary, these movies we just watched, these movies, they, they're really, you know, the, the, the thing that, I may be off watching really bad direct-to-video sequels to franchises just for the sake of it for a while. It only took Hellraiser and then yeah. this, I guess, to really make me realize that it sounds better as a stunt uh, than it feels as a thing to actually make yourself do. Yeah, and I mean, like, by the end of the, the Hellraiser movies, we weren't enjoying it. It didn't sound like anybody listening to the podcast was enjoying it. Yep. Um, and, you know, ta- hearing us talking about it was, was just seemed to be the like mildly redeeming part of it which was uh yeah so i think we're gonna we're gonna stick to movies that <laughs> we actually don't have uh, any desire to watch yeah, uh, exactly i mean I, the thing is like if like phantasm 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 wasn't a good movie but phantasm was a really sort of interesting and fun movie to watch because it was so gonzo and because coscarelli was throwing so much of himself into this crazy project and so you know it may not stand up as a you know piece of of solid narrative or, or or filmic storytelling but it was fun to watch it was interesting to watch it was engaging it was a if nothing else was definitely a historical curiosity you know people were like oh shit yeah phantasm if they actually know it because it's memorable and these films these films are so not memorable that i'm just i'm glad i took notes and i'm <laughs> yeah. glad i'm glad the movies retread some of the same ground because i don't think like Two days later, I would have a super strong impression of them. Like most of the things that I remember about the movie are things that are dumb trivia about it being produced, you know, by the same crew that did those Hellraiser movies, and the various little things that disappoint me for just being way less good than the movies that preceded them. And it's not like the the first three Prophecy films were fantastic films or anything, but they had something. They had a, a, a some character. There's a yeah, certain there genus of Yeah. Even when even when Christopher Walken was clearly phoning it in, you st- you still had Walken in your movie. You exactly. Know, that's, that's a lot more. That's so that's something most movies don't have. Now, now um, I, I, I do want to go on, go on, go on. 
Oh, yeah, you said that just as I took a drink of water. <laughs> no, please, talk. <laughs> You're a ventriloquist act yeah. ever. Um, yeah, I was going to say, just, you know, I, I, I don't mean to impugn uh, Joel Swasson and uh, what's his name? Uh, Gregory Wilden's. Uh, oh, no, Gregory Wilden did the characters. John Sullivan. Yeah, John Sullivan's uh, writing and Joel Swasson's directing here. But these movies are. I, I suspect the only reason there's two of them is because it, the, you know people had to buy two DVDs at the horror convention instead of just one, um, or rent two DVDs instead of just one because th- this is just honestly one shitty three-hour movie. Well, I think there must there must be a lot of startup cost as part of the thing. So if you're really looking at churning stuff out, bang for the buck, then why not shoot two movies instead of just one movie while you've got everything set up? Plus, the second movie is so. And if you're shooting two movies, why not just shoot four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel, I, I feel like uh, it, it's really weird. These are both like lousy direct-to-video movies with not much going for them. But I still feel like there's a stark comparison between uh, Uprising and Forsaken, which turns out that's the order you're supposed to watch them in, not the order I watch them in, which probably I, I, I really kind of wonder if we're going to have somewhat different impressions of some of the aspects of this because we watched these uh, in opposite I mean, we were, order. We were talking about this while we were getting our stuff together before the podcast, but, you know, um, I think we both just, like, the first movie that we watched, regardless of which of the two it was, it was just like, all right, and then the second one was a trial. And so I, I, I think from, 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 from that aspect, um, you might remember more of the second one than I do and vice versa. Well, I was playing so- Cookie Clicker uh, the entire time. <laughs> uh <laughs> Which uh, I, I will say, okay, so my, my feeling is that uh, the first one, Uprising, with uh, Sean Pertwee, son of a doctor, uh, was definitely the better th- of the two films. Wait, I'm sorry, Doctor, doctor Who? Yeah, no, yes. <laughs> that, was, that, was, uh, that was beautiful stuff there. Internet comedy, people. Um, yeah, so Sean Pertwee, son of uh, oh god, which was he the fifth Doctor? Maybe why not? Yeah, one of one of the one of the one of the Doctors who was uh, 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 one Mister Pertwee, and Sean is his son, and it's actually he's a I've seen him in other things. He's a good actor. He's not bad in this at all. You know, to the extent that he has anything to work with, but he just doesn't have a ton. Right. Uh, Doug Bradley is-, is in in Uprising. He gets a major part late in the film that starts out as a very minor part earlier in the film. Yeah, um, and we got we got Carrie Wurr from uh, Hellraiser Debtor playing a very, very different character. And it's, you know, if you watch Hellraiser Debtor as we forced ourselves to do, you you, you watch her in that movie and... Uh, wait, it's Carrie Wurr, right? Yeah, yeah, Carrie Wurr. Yeah. So you watch her in that movie and you're like, hey, you know, she's actually, you know, she's not doing a terrible job with this character. You know, she's, she's, she's using what she has to work with. And then you watch this movie, it's like, okay, so she doesn't have a lot of range, apparently. She can do... Because she... In, in these two, she did not... I have no idea who her character was. I, I, her motivations were vague to the point of being bizarre. She was really kind of a backstory character, but the backstory wasn't told super well. It, it's a weird thing. Okay, yeah, because they set her up. It really feels like this should have been like five and six and four would have had her in it because she's just the uh, uprising. The first one just opens. She's already like working at the monastery or, yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and we have no idea how she got there. I mean, well, maybe she stopped the- taking her medication and ended up in Bucharest. Or wherever this or something takes place in Bucharest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently so. I mean, it, every everybody's speaking Romanian. 
uh, Bucharest is where they shot it, so presumably they just said, "Oh yeah, this is Bucharest." But I don't, I don't know if they ever said it. Partly because we don't know if anybody said in Romanian that it was Bucharest, because there's no subtitles on any of the Romanian. <laughs> in no, the no, films. no. In the, in the second movie, the opening scene has subtitles, and I'm like, "What the hell? Did the, the, is the closed captioning working correctly?" And then I turned it off. I'm like, "Oh, they just realized in the previous movie that they forgot." There's a lot of Romanian in this movie, it's especially a- the, the first one. There's, there's scenes entire scenes where people will just have a conversation in Romanian it's not subtitled and it's interesting I was really trying to decide uh, how I felt about this because here's the thing I don't think there's anything wrong with pointedly you know for effect not translating uh, sort of second language dialogue in a film if you're going to use that for something interesting you know it, it can be a way to sort of give the viewer a sense of a little bit of distance from the character yeah. and a sense of the character's uh, embroiledness in a situation that the, the viewer is not keeping up with. Cause yeah, then you can have, it's a great way in a sense to establish that, okay, this guy knows the territory. He knows where he is. Uh, I may not know more Romanian, but he knows Romanian and clearly he just had a, you know, short, unpleasant conversation with that person. And we don't need to know exactly what they said. It's clear from the intonation and the, 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 the body language, you know, the, the flavor of it. And okay, fine. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's fine. But yeah, it really the film steps it up a couple times in here for reasons that aren't super. No, it, it, I mean, it honestly feels like I, I, I can almost picture, you know, like Joel Swanson, Gregory Walden and whoever else they decided. It's like, Oh man, all right, we got the DVDs that got printed. Let's pop them in and watch our movie and pop it in. And it's like, Hey, Hey, wasn't there supposed to be like a subtitle overlay in this? And they get on the phone, they're like, what happened? And uh, Yeah, I really and, and I really can't it, tell. I really can't tell um, if they uh like uh, And the other thing is, so the movie begins with um Danny, uh who's played by Sean Pertwee. He's um he's following around one of his uh you know, street lackeys, uh, you know, just like some petty criminal guy into a really, really burned out section of uh, Bulgaria. It's just like every people are living in the foundations of houses. Um, and so he chases his guy into a graveyard and, you know, starts threatening him. And he keeps switching out from between Bulgarian and like English. Like, but it, he's got like, is, is it a, like an almost like a Cockney accent? It's definitely the accent of a person who is actually English. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he's going from like uh, speaking in, in Romania or whatever to speaking sort of like, yeah, a, a, a thick, uh, I don't know, some sort of, yes. I, and, I, don't, I don't know my English accent, so. And so but here's yeah. the thing, like when I watch a movie and there's like two characters who are speaking Russian and what happens is either they're both speaking like they're both like not Russian and speaking Russian phonetically and I can't tell what the hell they're saying or one or both of them is speaking Russian and the other one is you know trying or maybe and very very rarely they're they're both speaking like actually fluent Russian and so in in in, in this just like watching him like switch between Bulgarian to like I mean I'm sorry Romanian fuck from Romanian to this like you know thick uh, British accent I I can um, I know for a fact that his Romanian is incomprehensible. Um, I, I don't even have to know what he's saying. I know that if I was Romanian watching this movie, I'd have not a fucking clue as, as to what he was saying. Um, and, it, and it's just that accent is really weird because, I mean, like, I grew up among, you know, he was supposed to have emigrated to England when he was, like, 
I mean, I mean, how old did his character look? Maybe like, like six five, or seven. Six, yeah. Seven. Yeah, that's about the age that me and like a lot of my friends who are also immigrants came here. Nobody ended up with like a thick Brooklyn accent. <laughs> like you know, some of us you know speak like I do with you know not much of an accent. Some people have like you know a trace of a of a Russian accent, but nobody nobody speaks like you know a fourth generation like you know person who who grew up in Brooklyn, which is just what we're getting with this character. And it's 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 really just sort of a. It's it's weird. It's it's just weird watching him like switch out between these these two languages into like it's not even like it's not even like a half step between the two. It's like you know a worlds apart what he's doing. So. Yeah, and it was it was very. It, I I'm sure I lost lines that were actually in English because I just sort of assumed he was still doing Romanian <laughs> in in some of his. Uh, scenes like that where I was just like I, partly because you know I just was not that invested because the movie wasn't good <laughs> but uh, you know so I wasn't waiting on the edge of my seat trying to puzzle out what clues I could from the dialogue I was like okay well this is the scene where he yells at a guy okay um, yeah it, it was definitely it was a weird thing about it and there's there there's little bits of that and you know there's also accent hopping in yeah. in the movie throughout from various other characters because we've got our big our our big uh, sort of antagonist in this is the demon. Uh, I want to say Belial. They keep saying Belial in the movie. Maybe that's more biblically correct. But anyway, Belial hops from body to body, uh, and you know whoever's in it in a very vague sort of way. It, it's you know like the way he he hops bodies is, is confounding because sometimes it's a it's a it's a bat and sometimes it looks like it's real quick you know and other times it's like a, some a thing flies out of his mouth and flies into the other guy's mouth and then he sometimes tears out imp- their heart for no reason yeah. no that no I that actually they did get into that a little bit they they, they discuss the heart thing and the heart thing apparently just makes the body uninhabitable by an angel so that's why you tower out an angel's heart uh, not not because there's something magical and angelly about it, but because that's apparently the one part that you really gotta have in order to make a monkey suit work, I guess. Which does not seem like it's consistent with uh, the first three movies, in which I feel like you tore out their hearts because they were actually physically weird angel clone beings, rather yeah, than and I mean, humans they, inhabited they... by an angel. Yeah, they, they, they explicitly were because of, uh, you know, Banya's whole thing about how, um, you know, it, it's, it's like a giant fetus. Yeah, all the weird physiology. Um, yeah. uh, so, and, and it could just be parallel tracks. It could be that, well, you know what, tearing out an angel's heart is how you kill an angel angel, but tearing out a human's heart is how you keep an angel from animating them. But it's like, that feels like, it feels like a rewrite, you know, it just feels like they sort of lazily retconned it to make it. You know, explicable. Oh, are you film. telling me that the guys that made Hellraiser Deader and Hellraiser Hellworld <laughs> being lazy about continuity? I, I, you're going to have to back that accusation. I, I know up. it's 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 a big it's a big uh, big uh, hammer to drop. What I, that's not even the metaphor I wanted. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, hmm, yeah, it's a big spoon to fold. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a spork to to bindle. Um, uh, what this movie? These movies? This this movie? These movies? Oh, the, it's, I, I want to say the 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 opening to Hellraiser Prophecy with like all of that footage of uh, Ceausescu. It was Ceausescu's like rise to power, and with you the mean Prophecy uh, Uprising. What the hell did I say? <laughs> Hellraiser Prophecy, which may be the name <laughs> of a fan film, if I remember right. But yes, yeah. yes, yes, the great Bulgarian movie Hellraiser Prophecy. <laughs> Prophecy Hellraiser. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was like Ceausescu's rise to power, and then they uh, just like quickly uh, photoshopped John Rieger into one of the scenes, and then the movie opens just telling you that it takes place in Eastern Europe, and... Why not just say where it is? Because you showed us all the photos. Yeah, the, the, this movie takes place in a very particular place at a very indetermined time. Because, again, I started adding up like all of the either either prophecy. If, if you try to do this in continuity from Prophecy 1 to 6, either the first prophecy movie takes place in like 1940 or this takes place in 2060. Well, here's the thing. Because, like, is there any reason to have a sense of timing between these two films and the previous three like 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 is it like like what's the what what's the thing that has to have happened earlier in the other ones before these ones for example simon dies doesn't he does well here's the thing simon's a weird holographic angel in these two but maybe he's just making a phone call and that's independent of his whole because i mean I don't know. Simon dies, but then again, so does, so does Gabriel in the in That's the first true. film, and then Gabriel's back from hell in the second one, and so it, it's never made super clear exactly if an angel dying is actually an angel dying, or if an angel dying is just an angel soul being on the soul substrate for a while until something else happens. Right. So I mean, maybe maybe this happened before the first film because Simon didn't get obliterated. Or maybe this happened whenever it happened, and it doesn't matter because Simon was just making a phone call from heaven. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the movie I mean, certainly doesn't give us any clues. <laughs> That's the biggest problem, yeah. That these really feel like they're floating, uh, th- like these are weird extended universe novels that someone wrote. You know, it, it's sort of a, the, the feeling of like, it really... They, it, it, it's good in a sense that, it, that it's not called like prophecy four and five because it really doesn't make sense as you know four and five in a continuing narrative at all to the extent that the first three even you know managed to right. they they had some sense of coherence um or at least they had christopher walk and i was just blinded by you know by that fact but yeah so it's it, yeah it's and, and yeah no it is so weird like the film doesn't seem to know whether it wants to really aggressively frame this in terms uh, of that bit of history or just sort of say, oh, you know, this stuff. And, and, and so we get, we get elaborate, elaborate flashbacks of the fall of the regime at a very small scale. Uh, and, and yeah, it's very set in a time and place. And yet they kind of don't really talk about any of that. And yeah, it's weird. There's no title card really. Yeah. It's, it's odd. Maybe, maybe they were, maybe this is like a reboot. <laughs> Maybe they were just like, you know what? It got way too complicated by Prophecy 3. Let's start over and just have it not make sense from the start. Yeah, yeah. They're just laying the, the groundwork. I, uh, I want to say, as a series that keeps rebooting at Satan, I, I think the guy that got to be Satan in these was good. Like, I like him, actually. You know, I feel yeah. like he's, he, he, he's, he's vibing sort of like a, a, a low-rent Benedict. Cumberbatch. Yeah, almost. yeah, he. That's actually. I, I wrote that down. Uh, yeah, discount Benedict Cumberbatch. Although it's it's this was this is before Sherlock, and I mean I, I can't remember anything that Benedict Cumberbatch would have been like himself in before Sherlock. So that's actually pretty. It, it's. I mean, it, it's just like the sort of drollness combined with the fact that he's got like the same hair and like the same kind of angular face. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and he was he was actually pretty good. I I, I felt like they it, it really sucked that he wasn't in more of the second movie because yeah. he he made most of the first movie watchable. Yeah, like he was him him and Sean Pertwee I enjoyed watching. They were yeah. both fun. Uh, Doug Bradley once he gets to start you know chewing scenery and monologuing a bit, yeah. uh, I enjoy that too because hey, it's Doug. You know who doesn't want to watch Pinhead out of makeup? But uh, but yeah, like like Carrie's like there's eh. um, yeah. And were there any other characters in this? There, incidentally, you know, there's a yeah. priest friend who gets body snatched. There's the waitress she saves who gets mm-hmm. body snatched. There's the coroner who gets body... Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a bunch of people that Belial, Belial puts on. And I guess, you know, like the, like, the demon in, um, like the demon in the first Prophecy movie, I guess what happens when a demon inhabits you is you lose all ability to act. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, all of your lines just come out like you're reading them off of a, off of like your hand that you that you wrote them on, but they got a little smudged. Um, I have to say the uh, so the uh, John Riegert, you know, who hey, spoiler alert, turns out to be Satan, and that was a that was sort of like a pointless reveal. It's like oh, okay, so he's not just a like a bad angel; he's the main bad angel. That changes nothing. Yeah, uh, well, and it yeah. wasn't a reveal for me because I watched the second movie first, so I knew it was <laughs> Satan. And so then he shows up, and I'm watching the whole first movie. And go, oh, at some point we're going to find out that he's Satan. And it took and him a while just, to get there, and it wasn't very exciting yeah. when we did. So yeah, and um, but I the, there's just like the exchanges of dry British wit between him and Pert. We were kind of good. Yeah, um, I mean, like there's actually a gen- there's a bunch of like genuinely funny scenes in this, like when uh you know because because uh, he comes out as you know just a Interpol guy who's like supposed to be um investigating Danny or like investigating alongside Danny who's an incredibly crooked cop and um, you know Danny just gets into his shitty little Romanian car and pulls away and it just sputters to a stop like five feet from there um, and I thought that was that was rather funny and there, there's actually another uh, another scene later on in the movie where they're like having a big argument uh, Satan and Danny and Danny's just like you just get the fuck out of my face and he whips these sunglasses out of his yes. pocket it opens them up and breaks one of the uh, like one of the sunglass hinges off and puts them on anyway and keeps walking and, and then, just like and then somehow so, yeah, some, but, so somehow saying you know get the hell away from me and putting on broken sunglasses didn't work so then he very soon after yeah. takes them off and throws them on the ground because I just that was yes that was possibly my favorite minute of this film was that that interaction yeah that was surprisingly good um and that's all that was good <laughs> you know the thing i liked and i was so happy this turned out there's this we- weird scene early on where uh sean pertwee's character has a weird uh visual experience and it seems to be like prompted by some priest standing outside a church with a board <laughs> and a mallet and the guy's just knocking out some some weird beats on on the 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 board and it, it's very much like you know we get sort of close up with the the priest doing this and he's sort of playing faster and faster this rhythm on this board and this may be something that makes total sense in i don't know whatever like you know eastern orthodox or something uh but i have no idea what's going on with this priest in this board and and i'm i'm thinking it's going to be something that's going to somehow be tied in later that the priest is like a minion or something and doing a thing and i wrote in my notes i hope mallet beat drop and priest never gets explained and he never did and that's that was my favorite part of the movie is how that was in fact just this weird random unexplained scene 
Oh, I found out what it is. What is it? It's called a Semintron. This instrument comes in three sheaf varieties, a long wooden plank held in the player's left hand and struck with a wooden mallet, a larger, heavier fixed tinder, uh, timber block suspended by chains and struck by one or two mallets and a fixed metal variety. So it's, it's a thing. It's Excellent. called a Semintron. Excellent. Okay. Well, then it's, it's just another little bit of, okay, let's throw in some culture, but not uh, grounded in anything. Yeah. So. And in Russian, it's called a Bila, which just means the thing you hit, or like <laughs> the hit thing. <laughs> now, if, if this had actually been one of the Hellraiser director video movies, they would have used the variety that was suspended by chains. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I was... <laughs> but yeah, that was... Yeah, I, and I mean, it just reminded me of... Um, there's an Onion article a short time ago that was just like, uh, guy must be dressed pretty fashionably from wherever he's from. Um, and it just reminded me, it's like, oh, this must, this, this is a thing that, yeah, just makes perfect sense in the context of the movie that much like all of the Romanian language stuff, they give us none to. Yep. So it's just like, yeah, they, okay, hey, you know, it's just like in America, you know, the priest comes out and bangs on a, bangs his mallet and a wooden board. I mean, everybody knows that. Um, other that things, was, other things. Uh, I, I, we, we mentioned the taking her meds thing. So Allison clearly has been on meds because she's crazy. And it turns out she's not actually crazy. She's just actually literally hearing angels or at least one yeah. angel, uh, which we find out later in the, well, not later in the film, in the second film, uh, but same difference. <laughs> uh, she's actually a Nephilim. So maybe yep. she's Simon's daughter. Yeah, she's. Uh, I, 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 think they I remember they said, said that, don't they? Okay. I, yeah. Uh, again, with the not caring. <laughs> uh, I may even have a note on it. I'm just not going to make the effort to go look right now. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I kind of think it's it's a shame that they didn't do something more interesting with that either. Because like, yeah. like, like you've got the whole notion of the conflict between mental illness and implausible religious miracle. Like, you know, okay, you know. The, the 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 question there of how do you as someone living in a you know essentially rational uh, secular world you know you know find that find find that peace in how you deal with what is diagnosed as a clear sign of you know mental illness yeah. uh, but which you know might actually be you know God speaking to you because you know what. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, 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 there could have been meat there. There could have been some interesting sort of character development, but there's not. Instead, there's just several times in the film, Simon speaks to her invisibly to say, "Oh, hey, you really got to listen to your voices in your head this time because things are going to happen. You got to get out there. A guy's coming to try and kill you, so you should you should boot." Uh, and and then she she always does, and things are okay. And and then that's all we get. We don't get any. They do like it's just really weird. It's it's like if you wrote in a best friend character who was sassy, you know, and then yeah. the the protagonist is like, well, I don't know, but I I guess you're right, sassy best friend. I'll get out of here. But then we never acknowledge the weirdness of the the sassy best friend being like a <laughs> fluorescent pink skeleton who's six inches tall or something. It's yeah, it's just like it. I don't know. It it, it was it's. It's almost like we're supposed to just give this credit because if we're watching direct-to-video prophecy sequels, we've already bought that there's angels, so we shouldn't have right. to watch the character actually process that. It felt very fucking lazy. Uh, so that was a thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, call, um, callbacks, they did bring back eye-licking. They did bring back eye-licking as, as, as a way to see the last thing that a person saw before they uh, before they died. And Belial, he... 
this was only happened when I, I mean, I assume it's a he, when he was in, um, when he was in the waitress's body that she was like perpetually sucking on her finger. Yeah, I was, and I, okay, so the first time she did it, it almost looked like she was trying to feel the wind to figure out where she should go, was what I was thinking. Uh, And and then then she kills Joel Swanson's wife by poking her. (laughs) Was that what? Yeah, pokes her in the mouth. Yeah. And, And apparently that poisons her to death. Or, or did that transfer the, 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 no, no, because, yeah, no, because, wait, you know, that, was she, just a, that was just a murder. Yeah. She just straight up murdered her. Uh, and yeah, so it seems like it's just the finger sucking is a thing. And I really thought, I was trying to figure out, okay, this is sort of dumb and conspicuous gimmickiness. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. angels have weird affectations. So, you know, we got to have a weird affectation, right? You know, I mean, uh, we had the shushing and, and whatnot from Walker mm-hmm. and Simon and, and 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 so okay maybe this that's just this and then I was thinking okay we've got this person jumping from skin suit to skin suit uh, so far we've seen it every time it happened basically um, but maybe what we're doing is setting up the finger in the mouth thing so that later in the film we'll lose track of who they are and then the reveal will come with a little bit of a finger second so it can be a, like a audience tell even before the characters know what's going on and then they totally didn't do that so maybe that's, that was the plan and they forgot maybe maybe they cut a scene where that was in there or something because uh, I mean they do do the you lose track of who it is mm-hmm. thing a bit but not really by much it's never really a mystery and yeah it's always resolved by whoever it is beginning to you know be very obviously you know belial in, in, in overt act and and spoken word so so yeah yeah i don't know what the hell they were going for with that oh um so doug bradley's character is introduced uh, as like there's it's uh, so regard and danny are investigating something in a house uh, I, I don't was it was it like his his lackeys like dead body or something and these two cops show up and one of them's doug bradley and one of them's like some big romanian guy and you know the big romanian guy says it's like we're officers you know like romanian names uh but you call us laurel hardy everybody else does and then they never comes up again except they will from that point on um you know later on in the movie when you know doug bradley's character who's always referred to as laurel comes back like it's it's the uh you know it's detective everybody calls laurel and nobody calls him laurel the only time he was referred to that is when he is when the other guy referred to him which i thought was you know it's like at least i think i think someone does actually i think i i I think john pertwee like he he answers the phone at one point is like hey laurel uh which is funny because it's like uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I I, I think yeah, it was that, happened, was that the but, point where he's just like run a facial recognition on John Rieger yeah, and it, for it, some reason they have it was like the scene in Hellraiser where he, the guy prints out those giant pictures of the fingerprints. <laughs> like somebody has an idea of how police work works, but they're not really sure. So it's like, yeah, run a facial recognition on this guy. I'm sure you you got to have a picture of him somewhere, right? Well, if we want to talk you know. about dumb computer stuff in this movie, there's also the part where. Uh, Sean Pertwee's cop character is plying some anonymous internet source for details on. I think on that this. was supposed to be Banya's character. What? Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, uh, and it was in like hot corner chat or something. Yeah, it was, that would yeah, do it. It said like it. foreigner chat. I had, I had I had misremembered the names of our characters from the other ones, and so it was like yeah, it was like something Joseph fifty five or something. Uh, yeah, but that's right. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was the coroner it was, it was Joseph. Joseph, nineteen ninety five, and nineteen ninety five was the year the prophecy came out. Possibly. <laughs> so there you go. He, the yeah, first thing yep. he did, the first thing he did when he discovered the body of an angel that then got mm-hmm. inserted in his morgue, is set up an account on a chat 
Well, and then he never changed it. He never changed it. He just kept it. Joseph. Yeah, and, I, and it was just like, is there like like an international police chat thing that is very very sparsely attended? That there's it's just these two guys. And so, um, so, yeah, so that makes sense. That actually that that, that makes sense. That makes a little more sense than what I was imagining. I was a little bit excited as a goofy, mm-hmm. untelegraphed tie-in. I was misremembering the name of uh, of our protagonist, fallen priest, cop guy from the first movie. Uh, as Joseph, and I was like, "Oh my God, is he IMing with an actual ghost angel in heaven? Is that what's happening?" And no, I guess not. Oh, and his oh, and his screen name was a cop. <laughs> it's a good. Well, you know, he's a. Uh, he wants you to know that he's. It's he, not he's wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and the, I think the uh, the the. The, the one line that they like you don't know, do like the dun 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 thing are it was just like you know it's it's angels it's like good angels are bad angels and the reply is all angels are terrifying <laughs> also also sean pertwee reads everything that he types <laughs> yeah uh sometimes paraphrases but but yeah it's like if you're going to take the time to show the chat on screen why also have the guy read it? Like, do one or the other. Like, have him deliver the line so you can get away from us staring at the screen and reading it. But if you can just put it on screen long enough for us to read it anyway, oh, geez, how... Yeah, a fucking... And I mean, Someone just needs to do a supercut of people chatting while reading their chat in movies. I think we should just consider ourselves lucky that it wasn't just, like, a screen full of Romanian. <laughs> True. <laughs> And then we could have seen him like reading the Romanian, but translating it out loud to himself, though. That would have been, you know, or he's uh, just Romanian full of typos just to match the accent that making the, uh, the, the actual Romanian possibly incomprehensible. I want to say one thing I, I, I liked in the, in this movie that, uh, they did nothing with and was like all of one second of it. Uh, there's this, there's this scene where, uh, Sean Pertwee's character, Satan takes him over to this house that was, uh, the basement was like secret police, uh, headquarters of some sort and torture and stuff in the basement. And so there's a bunch of flashbacks to like terrible torture and some nasty dude in glasses shooting a couple people in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that those were like, that was actually Sean Pertwee's parents who he turned in because he was being a, a, a good little... And one uh, of Allison's parents. Yes, yeah, so, so Allison Since mother. is actually Sean's uh, sister. sister. Mm-hmm. And she was assumed dead, but she half actually sister? just disappeared. I don't know. I, was, I wasn't sure if she was half-sister or not. But Well, I mean, because she's Nephilim. Well, well, so, well, whether or not she's really, yeah, I, I guess at that point, uh, I guess that's a fair point. We have information that he may not on that front. Right. Um, because he's but, clearly not Nephilim. Because or yeah. I, no, yeah. I think he's pretty clearly. He's just some human yeah. duder. Uh, and you know the, the scene, you know, in like the secret, pol- you know, the uh, the secret police torture room when the guy, you know, glasses guy who is like made to be this like incredibly important character that only appears in flashbacks, never does anything. I don't even remember if he had a name. It was it was they they tried to make somebody important and they failed. So all that's left is the trying. Um, yeah. Like it's established yeah. that this is supposed yeah. to be the head evil dude from flashbacks, but we're yeah. given nothing to work with there. And so the way he kills people is that, you know, they're tied to a chair and they're tortured and he's just like, all right, well, time to kill him. And he pulls out a gun and he shoots them in the head while their head is like two inches from a stone wall. That's not a good idea. Yeah, well, that's you know, so that's how other people in the room get shot by accident. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a big jerk. He's not he's not worrying about you know other people getting hit by ricochet. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that, that whole thing was weird. But so, so we come out of all that, and then there's this brief thing where, like, Sean is freaking out at this point, and Satan's like, "Well, you know, I mean, you know, evil man," and uh, and then we get a brief shot of like all the different ghosts from the flashback, like all overlapping in quick, like two frames each, along with uh, a couple frames in there are some smooth faced, uh, like humanoid non person form. Uh, and and the whole thing reads very Cenobite. Like it, it, it's like a weird the like, room too. Yeah, uh, and then it's just over, and that was it. And those and, and it feels like that's one of the scenes that may have gotten lost somehow. Like they cut it, they couldn't find a use for the shot uh, in the actual Hellraiser movies they were making. So like, hey, well, you guys want it's a really good second of footage. <laughs> do you want it? You can use it. Just do what you want with it. You know. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, it also it just felt like it was it was a neat little shot that had no real reason to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the room where he like witnesses all the ghosts in, it's you know just like a shitty like attic room with you know big windows with like blue light just pouring in there, and that was a really. You know, if they just, like, escorted everybody out with the exact same lighting and shot one of the scenes from, like, Deader or Hellworld in there, I totally wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yep. Uh, I wanted like, to... Oh, shit, uh, did we forget, like, did we forget, like the, 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 the red gels for this scene? I keep the blue ones. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a little scene that's totally a someone took a film class thing one time. <laughs> Uh, which which calls back very literally something I think we talked about as a bit of like you know film editing history. Uh, at one point, Belial jumps skin again, and mm-hmm. then he's torn out the heart of whoever he you know jumped out of, as is his want. And he's walking out of a restaurant, and he just drops a heart, drops a human heart that he's torn out on mm-hmm. some little girl eating theirs plate. And we just get a shot of her kind of looking at it confused. And then we cut to a train going by. But the audio, instead of like the screaming breaks of a train, mm-hmm. is actually is... the little girl screaming. Now, I had a note here. Why is the train screaming? Yes. <laughs> How think, it makes sense. I think that's what it is. And it's just this, the most pointless, stupid, unuseful use of that yeah. trick. Like the idea of cross-cutting audio to create this sort of jarring of expectations. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fun thing to do and you can do it. And, and, and I, I think what I mentioned previously was, uh, God, I think it might be, it might be citizen Kane where like, uh, Kane dies, drops his snow globe. The maid comes in, she sees the body and she screams. But as she's screaming, what we actually cut to is the audio of a train. And then the film jumps to, footage of of the train so it's like a reverse of that it's like a reverse citizen kane but done worse and for literally no reason uh uh, well maybe they had that heart prop and they clearly washed it off because it was one of the rubberiest like cleanest looking hearts (laughs) i had ever seen it was it's like well we don't want to we don't have a lot of blood splashing around because they're only shooting letting us shoot in this restaurant for the next hour so eh, just dry it off put it down nobody will notice that it's you know like looks like it was just like hanging out in the sun for a while um yeah that was dumb i have a note here from uh watching the first film uh which of course i watched second saying the worst part of watching these movies out of order is i'm more into sean pertwee's character than carrie Rurer's, and i already know which one lives <laughs> and it was really bad it's like oh well he's gonna die heroically and in some redemptive way at some point i'm sure but uh but until then, at least he's in this movie, you know. There was um, 
oh, there's a scene where, and I don't even remember what the hell they were talking about, but there was a scene where Rygert and Danny were sitting in what I have a note here as the saddest gazebo ever. <laughs> and it was a very sad gazebo. It was just like a really shitty gazebo that was falling apart. They're like, oh, let's sit in there. That looks that looks like nothing's going to fall on us. I didn't even notice um, that. I, I must have blocked it out. Yeah, My heart couldn't was, handle the sadness of the gazebo. That was uh, right before the, the sunglasses thing. Ah, uh, uh, okay. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, oh, there was, um, at one point, I think when, uh, Allison is in, is in the church, she picks up a cross and it's like one of those like really ornate, um, like Eastern, uh, Orthodox crosses. And it looks like, you know, just, it looks like it's a cross made out of five different crosses. And I, I just wrote cross plus five. <laughs> That's a fractal cross. <laughs> it's a, it's a crucifractal. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's um there's a scene so the, the the sunglasses thing where Rygert and Danny are having their like having like this really like drawn out argument about like ah get away from me I don't want to deal with this and he's like look we got to go do this thing I don't want to do this we got to go do this thing and then they're walking down this you know like this road that's clearly like a big long road and then they do like carry worse scene and they get back to them and suddenly they're in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere. It's like, did, did they seriously just have this stupid argument walking off just randomly into the distance? Apparently. It's like, well, now where are we? It's, um, it's filmmaking. Yeah. I also like the bit in the police station where Pertwee says to, to Satan, you can't just waltz right out of this police station, uh, which could you more clearly telegraph that that's going to happen than by having a character assert that? Uh, I, I sort of, I, I, I did not like the fact that they did not literally waltz out of there. I feel like Satan would, uh, yeah. There, there, there's a lot of different sort of ways you can do Satan. And I will say it's, it's consistent with this Satan character that he didn't waltz, but I kind of like a Satan who would waltz. Uh, also, try, imagine, imagine this film with the Satan from the first film. Imagine if this was Viggo Mortensen just being really, really creepy uh, the whole time. It, it, it just wouldn't work. And I, I think yeah. to some extent that's why, well, I mean, I know why Viggo Mortensen wasn't in this film, uh, independent of any of that. But uh, to some extent, that you know, maybe, this was a def- definitely a different characterization of, uh, yeah. of, of Satan. He was he was a lot more calm he uh you know he he wasn't vulgar at all he just you know he had a thing to do and he 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 had like a set of rules that he had to play by and and he was also very very british yeah he's also a bit too nice and i I like the idea that like he's being nice i mean he's not being super nice to sean pertwee's character actually he's just sort of like you know doing what he's doing but with carrie carrie were's character with allison he's actually uh really sort of like polite and respectful and almost brotherly at times. And I think maybe the thing is, okay, he really isn't, you know, he's got other souls to get his hands on. He doesn't need to go, you know, chasing everyone. And, and she's a Nephilim and that's weird. And he's interested in having her work with him. So, but, but at the same time, it, it is, it did feel sort of weird that like by the second of these two movies, they're just buddies. She's just like, Hey man, I'm having a really hard day with being haunted by the forces of angels and hell. Uh, do you have any advice? And he's like, yeah, well, you know, bro, you know, it's like, it's got that feeling to it, which is like, you should not, you should have like a terrifying truce with Satan. Not like, you know, he shouldn't be the, the, the character who you just drop by for a conversation with, you know, Oh, you know, just call and say, what's up? Yeah, really that was, that was hell. Yeah, <laughs> there was um the the end to the first movie is like the scene where um 
Allison is like leaving the the house where she would have protection inside of, and like her and Satan are like standing on the porch, which also I'm like ninety five percent sure is the house that the Lance Henriksen threw the party in in Hellworld. Um, I'd have to compare screenshots or something. Maybe we should put that on the blog. But um, and you know, so they have this like conversation about it's like you know the world will be different now. Things are different. It's like do you? And she's just like, do you really care about this? And I think. Um, just Nikki walking into the room at that moment. She's just like, are they, is, is this like a, like supposed to be like a, are they setting up a moment between these two? I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> she's just like, oh, okay. She's like, is this the end of the movie? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, okay. It's like, I was, I was going to say, if this is the middle of the movie, this would be terrible. I'm like, no, no, it's terrible anyway. <laughs> Speaking of the house, uh, a scene that I was disappointed by uh, in the same way. I was disappointed by a lot of things in this movie that it, they just didn't do anything interesting with it she's she's making a phone call asking uh oh, i don't remember who she was asking about what it doesn't matter but she's making a phone call to someone and then she starts doing some automatic writing uh while she's oh, on the yeah. phone without realizing her her right hand just starts furiously sort of uh sketching on a piece of paper um and then she's not really very disturbed by this is what bothers me. Like, like if my hand went and did some elaborate drawing or writing while I was not aware of it, I would freak the fuck out. Cause that's some terrifying, crazy, weird bullshit. And you know, what the hell is going on? And said, she just sounded a little like, Oh, Hmm. Yeah. She looks down and she's just like, Oh, Hey, I can draw. It's yeah. like the, I know Kung Fu thing in the matrix where he's, he's not shocked. He's just kind of, you know, elated yeah. with the fact. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. Cause I mean, in the matrix, the, the whole thing is like, we're getting into this sort of like, you know, human augmentation and, 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 and there's a lot of agency on his part. He's like excited to, you know, be doing this thing. Whereas she, this should be a bolt out of the fucking blue for her, And it should be like, Holy fuck. But no, she just sort of like blinks at it and, you know, oh, this is weird. And, and it's then, also like a very, it's a, the, the drawing itself is like a very, very nice, like archi- almost like architectural drawing of the, of the building that she needs to go to. But wouldn't a map have been better? Wouldn't it have better to draw her a map from where she is to where she needs to go instead of a picture of the building? I, I would think so. I mean, I guess we have to assume this is maybe Simon just sort of telegraphing and maybe he doesn't do addresses very well. He just <laughs> works off landmarks. Um, <laughs> But the, my, 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 I really did like in a this is a dumb thing this movie is doing sort of way, it, it made me laugh at least. She then, we, we get a scene of her standing on the side of the road, hailing a taxi, uh, and then she just stands outside the taxi and holds up the drawing of a picture against the window. And, and, and the taxi driver sort of like says something, who knows what, in Romanian and drives away. And I'm really glad that we didn't have subtitles for Romanian. So I can just imagine he's literally saying, they're like, please don't put paper on my cab. cab. I'm leaving like, now, you know. Like, yes, that is a pretty house. You did a good job with that Yeah, drawing. it's like, 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 hey, can you take me to this house that I drew a picture of? Would be a sort of weird request to make, even if you actually made it. But if I, if I just had pointing Morris, to a drawing, yeah. no. If I had more esteem for this movie, I, I think it was just like a take on the, it's like, I will take you here, but no further thing from Dracula when they're going to Castle Dracula. And the guy's yeah. just like, nope, I'm not going there. Yep. It's like, make your own way from here. It's just like, oh, whoa, that, no, I'm not going over there. But no, it's 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 definitely not that. Yeah. And I think a little bit later, she does actually ask uh, the next yeah. taxi, who also says no. But, uh, but what do you do? Um, oh, at some point, she calls um, Ian or Ion or whatever, like her friend, she's got numerous priest friends and this is another one of them. And she calls him and we never hear what he says. And she's just like, Hey, have you ever heard of uh, Belial? Yeah, that's right. The demon. And it was just like, 
you you called up your 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 friend who's got like a copy of like the Lesser Key of Solomon memorized. It's like, oh yeah, Belial, uh, Grand Marquis of Hell, right? Um, I was, I just want to know what was happening on the other side of that conversation. But well, then the notes. May, she maybe came, when she's on her meds, she's just really yeah. into metal bands, and so. <laughs> Yeah, so, 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 so she was like, hey, what do you know about Belial? And she's like, uh, I think they're touring, you know. And said, no, 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 the demon, you know. Um, and, you know, and then she starts taking notes over the phone, and they're like the exact same kind of like clearly trying to communicate something to the audience notes that uh, Banya took in three when he was like drinking and doing all that research, and it yielded yep. like four lines of text. <laughs> Nephilim is... Uh, it's like Very bad news. Equals Nephilim, very bad. And it was like the same thing with this. Like the guy clearly was talking a bunch, and she wrote like six words down. Yep. Um, blah, 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 new hell, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. I was really uninvested. Like I wasn't even willing to like care uh, at at that point. uh, I think I may have been buying some antimatter condensers for my cookie making factory. Um, Oh, um, you know, we have not yet discussed the principal MacGuffin of this movie. Oh, right. The fucking book. The the book. It's a book book. that, yes, it's a, it's a book in, um, I'm going to guess it's, well, it's Greek. Clearly it's, it's, you know, held together. It's like an ancient book, and it, it writes itself. The words burn themselves into the thing, and whatever words are there, they're powerful enough to kill a guy. Um, because, like the what is it, Father Constantine? Like read, you know, he. There's this whole scene where, uh, where you know, when we're introduced to Allison, and she's just like, "Oh, good night, Father Constantine." And then he just like he opens up, you know, he goes into like the back of his uh, his his rectory or whatever the hell, and then he he opens up a secret door, and I'm just like, "Come on, vampires!" That whole scene where he's just like going into secret door after secret door, like he grabs a pickaxe, and I'm just like, "Oh, he must be fighting <laughs> as a miner, I guess." And, and then, you know, he opens this other thing and then he grabs the book out of there and then he takes it. And I was just, you know, first of all, there was no vampires and I was very disappointed because that whole scene was setting up a vampire. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that, yeah, so he's reading this and like whatever he reads affects him so. And the thing is, it's it's just like the book in the first prophecy movie where it's like giant text and there doesn't seem to be that many pages. So whatever he read must have been maybe like a sentence and a half. And this sentence and a half shocked him so bad that he dropped his heart medicine and died. Yes. And I, you know, maybe somebody who's listening to this can, can read whatever kind of Greek that was and will post a screenshot and see what that thing has to say. Because I, I want to know what it said because they didn't translate any of his reading of it. <laughs> well, um, and, 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 and I feel like there's, there's two, well, but they, they, they do sort of translate it in the second of these films. Like we so find out that it's basically saying that it's some kid named boom and he's got some marks on his face but but yeah. the thing is that couldn't have been that exciting unless the guy knew the kid or something yeah. like, like I, I don't know if it really makes sense to even assume that he was actually shocked by what he was reading so much as he was shocked by the fact that he was reading it like uh-huh. like maybe he was just so fucking overwhelmed and panicked or affected by the evilness never, of the book it never did that before i think so yeah i, I, I think the book yeah. was still writing I think you kind of had to go nudge it, or maybe it was time-based or something. Maybe it slowly revealed itself as the moment approached, or something. I, like, I don't, not, not because I think the film communicated this particularly well, because we're obviously fucking confused as to what the intention was, but, uh, but that just feels like a system that would make any sense, because otherwise, why wouldn't he just gone down and read it before? You know, it's like, come on, you've got a fucking secret tome of terribleness and whatnot, you know, just go figure it out, buddy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. 
it, it reminded me a little bit, uh, and this is a comparison that is unfair for me to make up and then mock because I don't think it was intended, <laughs> but it feels, it, the whole thing felt a little bit like the name of the rose. Uh, you know, you've got... Uh, Wait, is that the one where Michael Douglas and what's her name are getting divorced, or is that the one where they go into the jungle and have an adventure? <laughs> no, no, that's the, that's the Sherlock Holmes in uh, in 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 Monk's time. I'm, I'm one, not, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the War of the Roses, <laughs> yes. the first one. What the hell is the second one? I don't one, know. I, was, I didn't place the second one. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, not the War of the Roses. <laughs> this is gonna bug the hell out of me. It's it's like an '80s adventure movie. It takes place in a jungle. Um. Shit. All right. Anyway, go on. Did anybody on. at some point in that film have to get to the chopper? No, no. Okay. I'll shout it out in the middle of your sentence. Don't <laughs> All right. Worry. Good. No, the, the name of the rose. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the film version had uh, Sean Connery uh, in it. And yeah, you've got like 14th century, 15th century monks, and there is some mysterious book, and people are reading it and dying. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it, it just made me think of that a little bit, which is like, again, totally unfair. But. Uh, as an unfair comparisons go, wow, could you, you know, have two more differently <laughs> engaging <laughs> stories? But, uh, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, and we should talk about this. So him going down there, this happens at the beginning of this, this film. This happens at the beginning of the Uprising. He, you know, after a little bit of setup, he goes down. Carrie, Al- Allison follows him down because he drops something accidentally. And so she finds right. his body. Um, and, and, and so we see him getting the book out, reading the book, being overcome while reading the, the prophecy, whether by evil or shock or who romancing the stone, romancing the stone. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, this whole thing with him and the book and he falls over and Carrie works character comes down and sees him. She's like, Oh no. Uh, the second movie opens with that exact same scene. Like they yeah. just reuse the footage, but I was watching this without having seen the first one, so I just assumed this was like you know footage, not reused <laughs> footage, because they don't indicate it to be. Like I don't feel I don't feel like it that, wasn't like last time on prophecy. Yeah, I mean it totally is, but they didn't like signpost it at all, and so I was just trying to follow the events from like one moment to the next there instead of from one moment to and then an entire film goes by and here's Allison again, and like she's still living in the same apartment in the second film too, but at this point. I, I kind of assumed she would go on the run if she was literally on the run from the malign forces of heaven. But apparently she just kept living in the same apartment. She just stashed the book somewhere. Uh, yeah. The second, no, she didn't stash the book anywhere. She stashed a decoy somewhere, which oh, makes right, not right, a... Right. I, will, I think we will get to this when we get to the second yeah. movie in three or four minutes. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not much left um, to talk about this one. There was, I think I'm just trying to think of what, what we have left with this one. Oh, the interrogation. So um, when uh, they get John Regert, who at this point, everybody is aware, is not an actual cop. But they haven't like, figured out I, who he is, so they're just yeah, sort of Laurel running with it. Yeah, figures it out, and then, you know, Danny's just like, all right, well, I guess he isn't a real cop, and he's, like, been around for a very long time, apparently. You know, he's lived far longer than everybody, but they still let him interrogate the suspect, because eh, everybody gets to be a deputy. Um it's like, have you watched Sleepy Hollow? I have not yet. You should watch Sleepy Hollow. But that's another thing where you know they, it's you know, it's in the it's in the form of a procedural, but it's also a supernatural show, and they have to have all these like you know characters familiar with the supernatural, so everybody gets deputized. Um, <laughs> it's like here's some riot gear. Why not? Um, anyway, so yeah, so there's this interrogation scene, and it's just not a really interrogation. It's just a conversation. 
Um, and it's a very vague sort of like cryptic conversation and it has no need to be um, because nobody knows what's going on and at least let the audience in on this. Yeah, it's not like Satan or Belial cares about the situation. I mean, they're, they're both sort of nakedly in a something is very weird here situation yeah. anyway. And then um, apparently Belial must have eaten a whole bunch of yogurt. <laughs> Because Satan makes his nose bleed, and then he makes him vomit, but he just vomits this milky white stuff. And, it, you know, I'm pretty sure he just took in, like, a mouthful of yogurt with, like, some berries or something and just spit it right back out. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a little... Conf- like, like I was kind of assuming that maybe <laughs> Satan was doing that, because that seems like a jerk move Satan would do to fuck with Belial, you know, mess up his skin suit a little bit. But we're also it was also established that the character that is currently inhabited by Belial, the, the priest, had nosebleeds a lot just as a priest. Like, you know, he gets a nosebleed and we're immediately watching this and saying, oh, my God, something's up. He's got a nosebleed. It's evil. But then he's just like, oh, yeah, no, I get nosebleeds. And so then later he's in the interrogation room and he gets a nosebleed. And it's like, is Satan giving a nosebleed or is he just getting a nosebleed? And then the and then the choking thing. And it wasn't totally clear to me. I, I, I sort of wanted to read it as Satan messing with him. But I wasn't clear. Like, did you feel like there was something even clear in the film pushing that? No. Uh, other than it doesn't make sense for it to have happened, but uh, yeah, I just I, I just assume it was one of those horror movie things where somebody makes somebody else puke because puking is scary. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah, and then like that bat thing. That's, <laughs> yeah, then he vomits like, up the, the bat. That's a special move. Belial. Yeah, he vomits up the bat. The bat flies through the window, um, and then you know there's all sorts of commotion, and you know like there's a guy down, and you know like uh, at some point in the middle of it, John Regert has ripped out uh, Ian's heart, and he's just like, "Hey, I got this heart here. Did we get a towel?" <laughs> um, and then Laurel, his accent completely changes, and he walks away, and nobody notices. Yep. Except um, for Hardy. Except his partner. Who he then shoots um, and throws off a balcony, apparently simultaneously. Like, we see, we see Hardy fall from a great height, like, in I frame. I suspect he just shot him off the balcony, because every gun in this movie is very high-powered. Well, yeah, sure, but, but he was really falling flat. He was falling like he'd been held up by his, like, you know, arms and legs... And then carefully yeah. dropped. You know, it's like if you shoot someone well, off a balcony like a and they stumble over, they'd be spinning and tumbling. And yeah, it's it was just weird. It was really odd. <laughs> yeah, and um, but I don't think it was supposed to be odd. I think it was just shitty filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, the, and then uh, there was a line that got a laugh for me. I wanted to say oh, which one? Uh, just uh, at one point, Pertwee and, and Satan are talking, and, and Pertwee's like, you know, talking about blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, I have limited powers in this form. Suffice it to say, and and. Pertwee's like, will I ever see you in your real form? And then there's this real long pause, and then Satan's like, yes, eventually. Which Because uh, he doesn't know it's Satan yet, and yeah. even though he knows That's things right. are bad. Yeah. Anyway. There was another line, and I and I forget why. Um, you know, Oh, no, it was. I think it was like before the, the waltz line, where they're just like wondering what the hell they're going to do, and Pertwee turns to, uh, you know, uh, Regert, or hang on, Danny turns to, let's say, one character name, one actor name. That's... <laughs> Hey, listeners, enjoying this? Um, anyway, so Danny turns to Rieger. He's just like, got any suggestions? And Rieger's like, uh, no. And then just like, that was it. And it's like, hey, you, you got any idea? No, no ideas. Some just wait writing. for something to happen, I guess. Um, and then, oh, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Allison discovers that there's a pure evil in Satan. And she's like, what could that mean? And they never explain it. Yep. Um, yeah. And oh, so somebody so gets inexplicably hit by a car. But then it is explicable because yeah. it was on purpose. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's inexplicable to Allison. Yeah, uh, but uh, and it's also inexplicable to uh, 
to to Pertwee that uh, Satan then wants the them to follow that taxi like he didn't see he didn't know how uh, this isn't even interesting it's just a thing that happens and it's like so typical of the film like some stuff happened because apparently it needed to happen and that's that's about all the sense of like you know why there is but there was a scene where where Doug Bradley got to run along screaming and growling and then getting hit by a car so that was kind of fun and I don't understand why Rieger didn't just turn to Danny when they had you know, Laurel on the hood of the car being like, Hey, can you just get out and shoot him in the head? Yeah. Well, I mean, the nice thing is if, if, if he's still Laurel, then he's, you know, on foot and known, I guess. So that's handy. Cause if they shot him in the head. Then he just jump into somebody else and they'd be starting from scratch. That's true. So, so I, I think that's a defensible, uh, bit of restraint on his part. Um, so, so, so this whole thing wraps up. There's a, the, there's a showdown in this, uh, terrible house where the secret police did their torturing and whatnot. And, uh, and, and Allison gets, uh, sort of an info dump about all this terrible history too. And she gets, she witnesses like the evil dude. Who's the guy with the glasses and the, the trim facial hair who we saw torturing and killing people earlier. He's clearly in charge and he starts killing people in the headquarters and then kills himself. Cause apparently he knows the show is over. Uh, but he also shoots a guy a bunch of times through Allison, who's just seeing this all as some sort of holodeck flashback that she can't quite blink away. Uh, and she keeps getting frightened that she's being shot, but she's not being shot because it's a ghost shooting a guy on the far side of her in the in the flat. The whole thing was, it felt like, again, why are you doing so much of this, but then doing so little with it? Why are you returning once more to really draw in all this, you know, flashback recreation of this fall of this terrible uh, thing, yeah. but then not like, do anything with it to tie it to the story other than say, Oh, and this really is a thing that happened that makes this place bad. You know, it's like yeah, we're establishing I mean, like, the house is haunted, but ugh. yeah. And it's like a really, it's sort of like just like tying in a random Holocaust story into your shitty horror movie. It's like, if you're going to do it, you know, do it with a point, but don't just be like, also there were other atrocities. Here's some, um, you know, it's, it was just like one of those things where, you know, of all the things to use, are you are you just using that because you're in like uh, Romania? You can't can't make something up, maybe. Or? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's, uh, it's like it's like if the devil's backbone, instead of being what it actually was, just was Guillermo uh, making a film that had an unrelated narrative involving a guy who at one point watched some TV documentaries about the Spanish Civil War. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like <laughs> why would you mind? Uh, I apologize to Guillermo del Toro for bringing up an actual decent <laughs> film in this context. I just, I didn't have anything else to, to work with. But, uh, uh, so anyway, they, the, the, the funny thing about all this is it turns out that the house, because it was such an evil place, it's literally an embassy of hell, uh, which was implied by dialogue. And I made a note because I was actually kind of delighted. And I was like, oh, okay, I think this is kind of funny that Satan's basically saying, no, Belial, you can't, uh, you can't do what you want to do in here because, this is my embassy. But then someone goes and actually Bilal goes and actually says that it's an embassy of hell after that. I was like, uh, you just the one yeah, time in the film like that this, I'm like feeling clever with you, yeah. you then go yeah, and ruin it. It was the, um, it was the same scene where they call back, like the first scene when, um, like the, one of the very, very first scenes was, uh, you know, uh, Danny, he, you know, hits up his like lackey for like this big roll of cash. And then he goes to church and immediately like sticks it into the, uh, sticks it into the donation box. And then, you know, either, I, I think it was Belia, like turns to Danny. It's just like, Oh, it's just like you trying to buy salvation. I'm just like, well, that was on the nose. Yep. Uh, also, and then Danny pops out all of the bullets in his gun except one for 
no discernible no, no, reason for two for two there is a reason Wait, it, well, there was a reason yes, what there was, was a reason, reason. The, the, and and this is uh the film almost tried to do something interesting with its ending here so he pops out all the bullets except for two uh because belial is in doug bradley he's in laurel and they should probably kill belial but if mm-hmm. to, to to you know stop him from doing anything but uh, but then Belial will just go into the next available human, which presumably will be Sean Pertwee. So the plan was he shoots Belial, Belial goes into him, and then he shoots himself, or, or, or he shoots Belial and then he shoots himself before Belial can get into him. So then Belial's just got to clear the fucking deck and, you know, you know, go back to the starting board, I guess, find but a why, human. Why empty out all the bullets? I don't know. Belial, I, I, think, I, I don't think Belial could have shot... Uh, could have shot what's her name okay fair enough I, uh, Allison. I will give you that uh there is no particular reason for him to have gotten it down to two bullets other than dramatic effect which is silly and it sort of worked because it like brought the character into this scene but yes i i will grant you that that is he could just fire a couple rounds and then it'd be a gun that still have some some bullets in it which would be fine but uh so yeah okay fair enough i i walk back it's not it's not not pointless but it's pointless in a setting something up sort of way. I guess they're trying to communicate a little bit of the tension with it, even though it's dumb. Right. Uh, and then, uh, and then they shoot, uh, Sean Pertwee shoots Belial and Belial falls down and Sean Pertwee goes to shoot himself. And then he decides not to shoot himself. And he decides to try and maybe decide if Belial's really dead after all. And then blah, 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 blah. And, Belial gets into Sean Pertwee after all, and uh, Allison shoots him. And I appreciate the fact I was sitting here watching this scene play out where he slowly becomes all Belialified. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't you get the fucking gun and shoot him? But it turns out she was getting the gun off camera, so at least she wasn't uh, forced to be super stupid by bad writing. It was just uh, they were playing with our expectations. And then uh, and we find out Demon Vision. Uh, it's shitty. Well, it's just they like not- Angel Vision, it turns out. Uh, yeah. See, I watched again. I watched the second film first, and so I bunch, saw a bunch of angels watching Carrie. Uh, at least I thought they were angels. Maybe they were demons too. And but yes, this this whole shitty effect, um, which I'll actually I'll talk about that again a little bit uh, because it sort of explains something that's otherwise dumb about the second movie. Uh, and we talked about the Satan scene talking to her, and and, and yeah, he so Satan they had their touching little talk, uh, and he does at least get a little bit menacing by he he goes and gives her a a preview of uh, terrible things uh, that are coming up for her in the next movie. So, so they clearly had the second movie in the can yeah. by the time they were finishing this one up, which makes sense considering they seem to have made them simultaneously. Uh, and it, it's, it deceptively, it's cut deceptively to make it look like she dies and has a funeral essentially. Right. Um, and then is in hell by cutting pieces of the film out of order, which is sort of clever, but also sort of like, eh, eh, eh. yeah, <sighs> it wasn't a very good movie. Boy, we've no. managed to, we've managed to talk a lot about it, but it was, uh, it was not a, it was not a very good movie. I kind of, most of the stuff we watch, I would say people should watch just to like be along with it. But I think if, if you're even willing to sit through this podcast, there's no reason you'd also have to sit through these films. So just save yourself the trouble. Cause there's, there's not, unless you want to, we could get the timestamp for, uh, for the sunglasses scene. Cause that was pretty great. Yeah, that was, um, you know, yeah, either we either listen to this podcast or watch the movie. I suggest the podcast. That's just me. It'll hurt less. And it'll it be will. shorter. 
It's a lot funnier, maybe. Uh, so, Hellraiser Forsaken. Prophecy Forsaken. No. <laughs> That's not the movie I saw. <laughs> so, this is the one that I watched first uh, that turns out to have been the second one. And Carrie uh, Wurr has her mysterious scar all through this that she got as a kid because she got cut by some glass or something when the secret police were coming to murder her and her parents or whatever. Uh, they never they never mention the scar thing at all in the second. You know, the second film, this is how I got to feeling about it. The first film, uh, and I said this at the top, as much as they're both lousy, forgettable films no one should bother watching, the first one was a better film. Like, there was more going on, at least. You know, there was more yeah. engaging characters. Sean Pertwee was good. Satan was in a lot, and he was pretty good. Uh, Doug Bradley. Uh, the second film, Forsaken, uh, it's much slighter. There's not a whole lot that they do with it. She's just still on the run, and, and Demons and Angels still want the book. Uh, and it feels a lot, it just feels a lot slighter. It feels like it's DLC for the first film. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's sort of like the, the you know, they, they, they did a smart thing with just like not having the first one, like take the form of the second one, where it's just like bad angel hunting everybody where, and in the second one, they just go back to the, 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 the formula from before. It's like, okay, well, we've got this badass angel and he's got a, uh, you know, he's got like a zombie, uh, zombie assistant and they have to hunt this person because reasons yeah and you know it was a lot more formulaic to a formula that never really worked in the first place yeah because um yeah once once walking started phoning it in it, it it fell apart um but clearly not as bad as it does in this one but we have a new little girl named maria and a new and it once again opens uh, like prophecy three did with somebody dying in a crucifixion pose <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah after playing yeah, with a basketball, is, little girl playing with a basketball, which is like the least menacing thing in the world to see when you're, 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 you're trying to set up something super weird and creepy and then bouncing a basketball. Yeah. And Satan tells her to walk in front of a bus just so she can deliver a, a message to, to Allison later on. Uh, and I didn't know it was Satan at this point. I was just like some guy who's clearly some <laughs> sort of angel or demon. Cause we're watching a prophecy movie. Uh, but yes, did not know it was actually her old friend Satan uh, doing this nasty thing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So we 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 get we get a dude in a beanie who's like a professional hitman, and he's working for an angel named Stark. I think it was Stark. Yeah, it was Stark. I why did they give up like the biblical thing? It's I just, don't know. Yeah, I I, I I sort of assumed that I didn't hear it right because that just seemed. But I don't know. Maybe Stark actually has some sort of weird biblical roots we don't know about. Uh, so yeah, he's going to commit suicide and then uh, Stark talks him out of it, but then he talks himself back into it and kills himself and then Stark just yeah. brings him back to life anyway because hey, that's what they do. They're, you know, we need our helper monkeys because sometimes killing yeah. them doesn't and th kill this them. was like a rehash of a scene from, uh, what is it, Prophecy 2 when they're in the diner and the girl turns the gun on herself? Yeah, yeah, Brittany Murphy. Rest in peace. Uh, Turns out she was murdered. Did you read about that? Yeah, I thought, yeah, like she was like killed, someone like snuck her rat poison maybe yeah, is what yeah. actually happened so that's fucked up crazy uh <laughs> that's more interesting than this movie yeah uh <laughs> oh stark while stark is uh like having the conversation with i want to say Dwayne. no that's not right dylan. Uh, dylan dylan yeah when he's having a conversation with dylan he's playing with a slinky 
Yeah, you know, this so, like the menacing Slinkly. Who gives a fuck about a menacing and Slinkly? Comes back. Yeah, he and it, like he sort of drops it, like dropping a mic at the end of that scene or whatever, and then it does one slink and then stops. It's like, mm-hmm. is this supposed to be some sort of like visual metaphor for the constantly shifting balance between good and evil, or were you just like a Slinky? Yeah, that'd be. We did finger sucking last time, so we can't do that. Slinkies, Slinkies is the new angel thing to do. I mean, uh, you you hear that word and you're scared, Slinky. <laughs> Um, there's a start right after the scene where they uh, they they're, they're talking about Allison. She's standing on her porch, like cuddling a pigeon. Did you did you notice that? I did not notice the kitten the the, the pigeon cuddling. They are they are disgusting animals. They they well, are but, filthy, uh, filthy birds. A, a pigeon is is basically a gray dove, though, right? So a gray dove covered in filth. Well, and, and hey, okay, check this. a pigeon. A pigeon is a gray dove, right? Okay, and 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 a dove is. Uh, we've got this white, you know, uh, symbol of heaven, symbol of angels, symbol of goodness. Uh, we've got the crow as the sort of symbol of, of demon darkness, like like Satan explodes into crows at the end of the previous film, and I think that had happened in other earlier films as well. So your pigeon, your your your, your mottled gray pigeon. Uh, maybe that's sort of like expressing the, the the duality, the moral ambiguity of the situation, her strange state as a Nephilim. So the the, the pigeon becomes her sort of familiar as this uh, thing in between. Eh? Eh? Or there's just a lot of pigeons in uh, Bucharest and they couldn't get out of the shot, so they kept it. Um, <laughs> I hope they wash that pigeon for Carrie Wurr's sake. <laughs> Uh, I do want to talk a little bit, a little bit about our stalker angel Stark, uh, this mm-hmm. week, because I will say his character is not good. The movie doesn't do anything good with it. It's just like uh, let's have a menacing angel, like you say. It's the same formula and, and not interesting this time. Uh, but Tony I do Todd's like performance totally wasted. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a he's a he's an all right actor. Yeah, the, the guy can act, and and I appreciate that. In the absence of anything to work with or anything interesting to be able to do, he did just like chew scenery as hard as he could yeah. like he, he just he, he growled as much as he could and he he stood menacing and he i i appreciate he gave his and, all for this and his very last scene he's you know i clenched fists screaming at the sky <laughs> just going for it it's like all right i'll do this movie if you pay me this much money and i can have one of those scenes where the camera looks down on me while i scream madly into the sky with clenched outstretched fists okay yep done uh, uh there's a uh, stark trashes carrie's apartment looking for her secret book of prophecies mm-hmm. uh and then he stops after trashing her apartment a bunch and mm-hmm. smells and s- clearly smells the thing and punches a hole in the wall to, to 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 get it uh why didn't he just smell first like he seems uh, like he's like maybe he was still recharging his powers from smelling to have to get to that apartment Oh, maybe. So he just needed to let the nose reset. And so he's like, well, I may as well you know, do it the old fashioned way in the meantime. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah, then he like <laughs> smells and he sees this poster and he rips off the poster and he's just like stupid monkey or whatever. He punches through the wall, grabs the book out of there, which is in like this plastic bag, takes it out, opens it up. And there's like a pornographic uh, a newspaper ad, you know, like an escort ad. And he, you know, flings it aside. But it turns out the entire book is full of it. It was a decoy that she put there. 
that she created this decoy inside the cover of this book while taking out the inside, stuffed it with, you know, pornographic newsletters, stuck it in a plastic bag, hollowed out a part of her wall, or at least cracked open a part of her wall, stuck it in there, respackled the wall, put wallpaper back on to delay this guy for, I'm going to say, 15 seconds. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, it was, it's like that scene where, um, there's a scene in The Simpsons when I think Homer is just like on Mr. Burns' property. He's not supposed to be there. And he's getting chased by a guard dog. He's like, I've got the perfect thing that'll stop. And he gets like this, these like series of hot dog links out and chucks it at the dogs. And one of them just like ripping, like just jumps, takes it out of the sky and just continues running while eating it. <laughs> it, it was like that. Uh, so, somebody sprays perfume in their face in this one. Yes. Yes. That was, that was when they're in nice, the prostitute's apartment. Nice when, that we um, had that. Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan needs to. So Dylan decides to be on um, Allison's side after I'm going to say you know 15 to 20 seconds of convincing. Um, she, he's just like, tell me one reason I should keep you alive. Alive. She's just like, it's a. She, she, she's I like, it's human life. Or, no, no, no. He was before that. She was like, it's a human life. It doesn't. It's like. It's like I have. It's like I have a life. I, I don't need a reason. I'm just like that's probably not the right answer. Yeah, I, I think. I think a hitman has probably thought a little bit about human life. Yeah, uh, up to that point, or maybe that's how you get in the uh, hitman business. You just really don't think it through. It's like, hey, will you kill that guy for me? I'll give you money. Oh, that yeah, I don't see any problems with that. Yeah. Like, oh wait a second, I killed a guy. Oh, what no. was I thinking? And I thought I'm, I was just supposed to hit him. That's the name of the job. <laughs> I didn't think man, he was I, dead. I thought he just fell down for effect. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm getting paid too much for this. I could go do I'll, community theater for free. <laughs> kill people there. <laughs> Um, yeah, so at one point, like, he mentions, like, the, the whole Jacob and uh, wrestling an angel thing, and he's just like, I gotta, it's like, right, Jacob wrestled an angel for, you know, a day and a night, I just gotta hold him off for, like, an hour or something, and then, like, later, they, she comes back to this conversation, he's just like, yeah, you know, a hitman quoting scripture, it's not the kind of thing you hear about every day, unless you've ever seen a movie with a hitman in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um... There was um yeah so they're so they they they're hiding from so he goes through this entire I I didn't write it down because it didn't end up mattering but he goes through he was just like you know you're being chased by um I don't know whatever the hell some sort of angels like goons, one of the categories yeah of angels. It was like, it was like, yeah it was like holy goons yeah and and then he just like goes through quickly goes through this entire hierarchy and they never deal with it again they never go back to it again I doubt she remembered it um. But yeah, so he's got to disguise her. So they break into the apartment of this prostitute that I guess Dylan knows, and he steals her medication for iron and her perfume, which he sprays in his face first. Like, you know, he, he does the same thing that that girl in uh, Hellworld did, which was like, instead of aiming it in the air and stepping into it or spraying on the wrist, he sprays it directly at himself. It's possible it's literally like, the same uh. shot from two different camera angles. <laughs> it's, <laughs> she just looked really different under that light, and they just made it work. Very angry. And first, this is like the one and only time I think we've seen a full frontal nudity shot in any of these movies. Yeah, no, yeah, we get um, gratuitous sex and yeah. gratuitous nudity here. And they definitely did not cut when, like, finally he was just like, all right, I'll leave. And then she turns to the camera to, like, you know, go back and, like, her jaw is on the floor bleeding. And she's she's clearly cracking a smile. And I'm just like, no, you're supposed to cut when they break character. That's not I, I just, supposed to be in the movie. I just choose to believe that that's actually how the character felt. She's like, man, that was fucked up, but I don't like this guy anyway. And uh, yeah. whatever. 
Uh, and then, um, and then, so yeah, so uh, he's that, just like, yeah, give me your blonde wig, and then he takes her perfume medication to disguise uh, Allison. He's just like, you know, wear this perfume so the angels can't smell you, and take this iron medication because it changes the, uh, you know, put on this wig and take this iron medication because it changes like the 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 flavor of your blood. What he doesn't tell her though is that if you take a lot of iron supplements, you will be constipated for days. <laughs> my 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 wife mentioned the exact same thing, and the film the film never does anything with this, unfortunately, but maybe. It Maybe there's an easy dodge because she's an Ephilim. Maybe she's just got a different sort of uh, digestion. She's never tract. pooped. It's never been yes, explained. She, she doesn't. Just, it's, it, yeah, it's never come up because, like, yeah, she always just thought people were making a weird, gross joke yeah. about pooping. She's never <laughs> pooped in her life. She was a weird kid. That's that's how her brother knew to turn them in that they were subversive because because she didn't poop and he knew that must not be okay with the secret police. So every time uh, somebody makes a girls don't poop joke, she's just like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she 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 doesn't. Even, that's why her character is so weirdly humorless. She never understood humor because she couldn't relate to the basic poop humor that most people are going to encounter <laughs> in early age. She 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 doesn't know what a joke is. She doesn't understand what a joke is because she thinks just a joke is just like a truism. <laughs> so so when someone says, "Oh, I'm just joking," she's she thinks they're saying, "Oh, I'm just making a statement about the reality of the world." <laughs> I think we cracked the fucking code on this thing. We need, we need to watch both these movies again on the assumption that she doesn't understand humor. You with me? You with me? Yep. Just yeah, another three uh, hours of this? to watch these two movies over. <laughs> I wanted to that say, actually, the prostitute, uh, her, her name, Gabriella. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a callback. A little bit of a, uh, oh, Christopher Walken, we miss you. Here's a yeah. naked uh, Romanian lady. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah. And, and, and there's the idea that, like, I guess all monkeys just look alike to the angels as part of the thing. Uh, also, when she's when she's she's putting on her wig and her her red top and whatnot, we never see where she gets the bright pink lipstick that she's just magically wearing. Like ten seconds later, um, I guess that was just like they didn't do a shot of that. It was uh, inside the wig. Yeah, but the wig is really bad. It's like a yeah. really bad wig, and I feel like if I was on the prowl for. Uh, a, a, a human in a pretty specific area, I might notice, but but I don't know. Angels are just—they really don't uh, know what we look like, and they do. I guess this—I'm willing to buy this. They do have really shitty vision, apparently. Like yeah. angel vision looks super weird. I could see it's like it's all blue and and washed out. And okay, maybe they can't. Maybe really that's tell. why they fight the way they do. Oh, they—they just like they're actually really crappy vision. They just bumping into each other is the most reliable. Exactly. They want to get up close. They can, they can the, sort of... Because the scene where um, Allison and Stark are in the same scene, you know, like he shows up in her house and she's sitting in a chair and he's like trying to scare her. So he grabs her, the entire chair that she's sitting on and pushes that against the wall. And I'm just like, <laughs> so close. Maybe it's just that's that's all. Yeah, that's 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 that was... Uh pretty on target for for an angel they're like tyrannosauruses their 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 vision is based on movement you know uh, you have to do stay very still the slightly Fuck, weird facial tics we see it's actually more like a, a a pigeon or a chicken like moving their head to get depth perception or a snake sticking out its tongue yeah exactly ah uh, jeez what else yeah. oh there's a thing about how you kill angels dylan's talking about how you yeah. kill angels by shooting them in the third eye the one that they see god with um, oh which yeah, is weird because we already had the heart thing established and he doesn't mention the heart, but he mentions the shooting, the thing, but how did that never happen before? And I, hmm. and then I think it pretty much goes like, like I'm, I'm sure someone gets shot and I just don't even remember it now at this point. But, uh, no, no. What happens is she doesn't get shot in the head. 
Oh, oh. Dylan explicitly does not shoot her in the head as instructed. He shoots her in the body because he knows it won't kill her. Oh, and he knows that, or at least suspects that something's going on there. Okay. Uh, So that's why it came up, maybe. Um, um, there was a line in the movie at one point. I don't even remember. I think it was like Stark explaining something to Dylan or maybe Allison. He's just like, you know, if this book gets into the wrong hands, it'll it'll cause a genocide, which will have like some like, uh, which will uh, cause a genocide, which will have devastating consequences. I'm just like, I mean, isn't that really the definition of the, the of a genocide that, you know, you, you can't just wipe a whole lot of something off the earth without there being some sort of devastating consequences? Well, pogs. Um, no one really misses those. I do. You insensitive <laughs> bastard. It's just pog joke week. Uh, pog, pog joke yes. week. That's actually kind of pog joke week. Pog joke. Pog joke week. Yeah, ten times fast. Do it. Pog it's, joke week. Pog joke week. Pog joke week. Pog. pog it's a. It's a motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but do yes. you remember the angel food cake joke? Because I wrote down angel food cake in quotes, but now I yes. don't remember what the joke yes. was. No, no, no. So Satan, Satan, like eats a Twinkie, or or talks about eating a Twinkie, and 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 then I think Allison was like, uh, "This must be when she goes to visit him at the house." Allison's like, uh, "Maybe it's the angel food cake," and he's like, "God forbid." Because um, ah. it's angel food cake and it's Satan and, and yeah. God has forbidden God, him yeah, from eating literally. anything with the word angel in it. No exactly. angel hair pasta, no angel food cake. So he's actually pretty uh, what other there food has the, the word angel in it? Um, an, a, a angel hair pasta? Did you just say that? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I got distracted by angel dust. I was like, no, that's not a food. That's, <laughs> well, you can't have any you, angel yeah. dust either. You can't have anything named after Los Angeles. Yeah. He can't use a protractor. Because <laughs> he's dyslexic, and uh, <laughs> that has nothing to do with you know. When she goes into the creepy house, a bird flies at her out of nowhere. So that's very sort of Hellraiser. Also, she, she, oh. she has a traumatic parent murder backstory, so that kind of ties into her character in Deader as well. There's a few. This one, despite having and it, also less, explains why she's Batman. Yes, exactly. Because because she is she can't die because they. Uh, she repeatedly mentions that she was four months away from a PhD. That's not how PhDs work. As well, far as I understand. It is a PhD in estimation. Uh, and so she was far enough along it that she was already good enough at estimating to know about how much longer it would be until she got it if she kept working on it. Somehow I don't <laughs> think that was what they were going with. I think they think it was just like, it's just like, you know, regular school where it's like, well, it's July. Congratulations, graduates. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody gets your PhD. It's their PhD at the same time. I'm willing to. I'm willing to buy that someone would sort of just bookmark their their time like that. As as much as it, yeah. I think it's a, a fair point. But uh, but yeah. Also, I do not understand. So the second movie is a lot more about like the MacGuffin book than the first one is. And so if the the book tells the future what happens later if it gets into the wrong hands and at that point i sort of lost track of why it's bad for somebody to know the future that's they never they never do a really great job basically what it comes down to is the prophecy tells what's supposed to happen you know it's 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 the literally the final chapter of the bible and it's not yet wholly revealed and and what it will reveal is apparently the identity of the antichrist i guess i don't even know i i I don't know if it's the Antichrist or or some or if this character is some more just like totemic figure who will cause a great thing of much turmoil to happen, etc. 
Uh, maybe that maybe it is. Maybe it's the identity of the Antichrist, and then the genocide will come along when you know apocalypse actually properly occurs. But uh, but as far as I can tell, the whole big fucking thing we're supposed to buy into as the tension driving this is that if someone finds out who it is before they find out by him doing the things he's going to do, then they could prevent that from happening by killing him, uh, or sort of implied, you know, maybe chum up with him and get a little too inside on the whole deal. So the idea is he's supposed to remain a mystery, I guess, until whatever the shit he's going to pull actually happens. And anybody who finds out ahead of time would have too much power over, uh, dealing with the, the intended consequences of this whole thing. Like, you know, finding a traveling back in time. Uh, and so why would they make somebody make a book that tells the future that can prevent the thing in the book from happening? If somebody reads the book, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. Uh, this object this object is self-defeating it has no reason to exist maybe it exists to lend a lie to the idea of free will okay so here we go so 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 god sees all knows all uh nothing is a mystery to him he sees from you know you know time from end to end he has angels who are servants who mostly don't have free will although we've discussed previously how that is a complicated proposition right there. Maybe it's more like they're just discouraged from disobeying. And then you've got humans who explicitly do have free will and they've got choice and God has, they are now his chosen creatures because this is a new thing. They, they can choose to love him. They can choose to be faithful and whatnot. Uh, so maybe the book existing as something that could in theory give someone uh, a choice about how to deal with the genocide, but that no one ultimately ever ends up managing to employ as a choice is an attempt by God to, you know, sort of like tip his hand a little bit and let you see, oh, actually, nobody has a choice anyway. I put this fucking, you know, H-bomb out here for you to fuck with. And then I didn't let you pull anything off with it anyway, because everything went out the way I wanted it to, because I'm God. Shut the fuck up. Sit down. Finish your dinner. What's it called when you play NetHack and create your own rules to to ascend with? Oh, uh, a restricted uh, run. Yeah, there's a specific word for uh, those, and I can never remember what it is. But yeah, basically, so you can maybe that's what God's do doing. Like the first time he played, he fucked everything up. He had to reboot, flood everything. Uh, the second time, that's that's where we are, and it, you know it's going normal. There's no there, there's no magic or anything, and then and then he beat that, and he's just like that was a little easy. That yeah. you know it just went from start to finish, not a lot of challenge. I'm going to throw in this object that's going to fuck everything up if it gets into the wrong hands. Now we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like let's uh he's playing new game plus is what he's yeah. doing. He's like, "Yeah, okay. Let's uh let's let's and it, let's spice and it's not it up like a a, it's it's not a game where he controls anybody directly. It's like Dwarf Fortress where you tell people what to do and maybe they'll do it." Yeah. Like I imagine imagine this whole film series reworked as something where the films are something that happened, but then there's these interstitial scenes that are basically like a Game of Thrones uh sort of butting heads between two characters making power plays and God's one of them. You know, I think I would like that. And more the other than one is God's name or Jim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's Vishnu. He's like, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Okay. You want to, you want to play a little, uh, you know, existence. Um, <laughs> I think I would like that more than I like the films as they actually are. Certainly these last couple, like I, I'd rather yeah. see the actual power plays being made than all the bullshit in fighting from the people not managing to pull anything off. But, uh, yeah. How much... I'm I was surprised at the lack of chess metaphors, honestly. Yeah, it does seem like uh, you could have gotten some really uh, 
you know, ham-handed chess metaphors all, all over uh, these these movies. But uh, but what do you do? Um, Stark kisses Allison for no discernible reason, only to threaten her with putting a baby in her. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird. Because I think maybe that's how think angels thinks babies are made. Well, I mean, for angels, maybe that is. I mean, that's kind of what they do, right? Uh, you know, I heard Daniel. <laughs> the Daniel just screwed for fun, but the, it was the making out that got her pregnant. Yeah, well, no, no. Well, remember with Daniel when Daniel was uh, stooping the, the 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 nurse lady from the second uh, Valerie. Um, they're all having sex, and then he has a really formal sort of like you know, do you accept my seed thing in the middle of uh, that, and that's when she gets. So I think I think that's what it is. I think there's actually just a straight up you know angel boom you're pregnant uh, thing they can do, and. Uh, and that didn't happen until that happened. And, and yes, the sex was just sort of because, hey, why not? So it's I'm like inviting confusing. a vampire in your house? I think you so. An angel Babies your... are basically angel vampires that you invite in, is how it works. <laughs> That's why abortion is bad, because obviously you're violating etiquette. You know, you let a baby, they get to come to dinner. Life uh, circuit is run by vampires. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, I, I think I think we've gotten some really good territory here. I think this won't uh, offend anybody, uh, <laughs> especially not all the vampire listeners. I kind of I kind of just want to run through like the bits of my notes that were more interesting than the recap of the film at I, this point. I, I turn the page on my notes and like for the first movie, I've got like two and a half pages for this one. I turn the page from the first one and there's like another half page here. <laughs> I, think I gave up taking notes. Okay, well, here, here's here's a scene I liked. I like I, she she manages to escape into a funeral for that girl we saw die at the start, although she apparently doesn't realize that. And maybe we as the viewer are not expected to realize that either because they have a little bit of a flashback. And this is to something that was like 25 minutes ago in this film. There weren't any other dead little girls so far. Yeah. Maybe we should just, yeah. But anyway, so this little girl confronts Carrie in this mausoleum that she's sort of hiding in because it's the one safe place she can manage at the moment. Uh, and, and the little girl's basically, hey, yeah, uh, I have to lay dead and cold in the ground because my funeral would provide a minor distraction for you, which is why Satan killed me, which is a pretty good guilt trip as far as it goes. Uh, and she's got this real sort of like uh, vibe of Ringu, little girl standing around in a dress and dripping wet, dark hair sort of thing. It wasn't like, it wasn't actually a scary scene at all. This film never really manages that, but it was at least trying for, for a spook. And they had like the, 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 the flash where you see her as like all zombie. Yeah. So they were, they, they were, they were playing with some of that, some of that sort of Ringu Juon aesthetic a little bit, at least not, not to any great effect, but there you go. Um, I have more notes saying that this is boring. Uh, at one point, we've got Allison saying, doing the thing that people do in horror films where they are like, oh, you're going to, any minute now, you're going to wake up, Allison, saying to herself, which, you know, tight writing, very tight writing. I liked that. Uh, <laughs> I feel like. Oh, they inter- the, uh, the so the prophecy where they're like, you know, a child named Michael will come with marks upon his face. And I'm just like, that's a little, you know, it's like, that's, that's kind of a weird time to bring up a new, uh, a new, uh, what do you call it, a new plot point like that? I'm like, I wonder how long into the movie I am, because I was just like thinking, it's like, you know, this movie's interminable, so maybe a half hour. And I pause it, I'm just like, this movie has 
10 minutes left. Yep. Why? It's like, this is the, you're not getting a sequel. How did anybody think this was getting another sequel? <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah, it's like something that should have come up in the, in the first film, but maybe if we could read Greek or Coptic or whatever the hell it was, then, uh, then, uh, <laughs> then we would have known. Oh, uh, there's a scene where a Stark dropped, like there's a big, uh, like a, what do you call it? Like a glass, like a cupola. Is that, is that the word? Like a, a, like a cupola? domed sort of ceiling. And oh, it's made yeah. of glass, and then Stark drops through it, and you know it's a it's an effect shot that you see a crack, you see Stark, he lands on the ground. They managed to make that look boring. Yeah, yeah, I think that may have been where I noted the board. Like, like that should have been a big badass moment. Like that was like a mm-hmm. Matrix action scene moment. But no, it's like okay, and now he dropped through. A oh, window. this this was the stupidest thing in the movie. So at one point, um, so we we've got <laughs> we've got zombie Dylan, and we've got Stark, and uh, they're trying to get into that building, and uh, so. They need to get through this door. Now, keep in mind, one of them's a zombie and can't feel. The other one's a super-powered angel. But they still have to get through this wooden door with glass plating. So Dylan whips out his lock picks and slowly picks the lock, at which point Stark's like, faster. And Dylan's like, I, I'm trying doing it as fast as I can with no feeling in my fingertips. Just like there is glass right there. You, you, you break it and you open the door from the other side like they do in every movie where this happens, except this movie where they probably didn't let you do that because you're filming on, on a location. Yeah, they, and they it was really just like, don't want you at least glass. use a different door. I do feel like Dylan was maybe stalling is what was going on there. Like I, I was vibing at that point that he was like he was sort of stuck with this, but he was still dragging his feet a little bit, so I think he may have just been intentionally uh, being shitty at picking locks or, or making a dumb decision to try and pick the lock. I think it would have occurred to Stark to be like, I can, I can see the lock that's locked. Let me just reach through. And although there was a scene where, um, We've Stark gets into he the has spend like 15 minutes before he uses a straightforward solution to a problem. That's, that's, that's how he, true. how he does things. There's, um, there's a scene where, uh, he gets into a passenger side of a car with a very expectant look at Dylan. And I thought that was a pretty, that was a pretty funny callback to the fact that angels have no idea how cars work. <laughs> there's also founded by combustion. There's a couple of uh, meaningful close-ups, like extreme close-ups of Satan's mouth. And it was mm-hmm. not clear to me if those were supposed to be menacing or like sexy. And they were just like little throwaway things, but it was like, Let's really get up close on Satan's mouth as he delivers this line. It's, eh. It also, yeah. it's the sort of thing that like, if we didn't already know who Satan was or what he looks like, then maybe doing that would be a good way to do some mystery of, oh, someone's mm-hmm. speaking. But no, we know the guy was, ah, it's, this is the second movie in a row that this actor has been playing Satan, which is like a streak for uh, Satan in prophecy films. Um, so, so, so Carrie, Carrie Allison gets, uh, stabbed by some random Romanian schlub. I'm assuming this guy was a goon, but it was not totally yeah. clear to me. I uh, think he was supposed to be. They never, yeah, they never actually say He could have just been, guy. yeah, a crazy asshole in the park with a knife or something. But anyway, she gets stabbed and then glowing Simon Obi-Wan tells her to get up and fight and she nutsacks the dude and chokes him out. Uh, yeah, all of a sudden, she knows how to fight real yeah, well. Yeah, all of a sudden, she knows Kung Fu. You're tying, you see, it's, you, you, were, you were more right than you knew when you brought that up uh simon is actually neo is what's yeah. going on um <laughs> and and he can only she can only sort of see him because his interface is a bit spotty into the matrix yeah. which is where this is all happening uh so so she's but 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 as a result of the scene she's been stabbed once again we have carrie were frightened and stumbling around bucharest with bloody wounds it's, yeah. it's seriously hellraiser deader like like this could actually have been footage from that film with a little bit of more work 
so I, I have to kind of wonder how she felt about this whole thing. She's like, wait, which movie are we shooting? I don't remember. Is this the one where I stumble around with wounds or the one where I stumble around with wounds? Um, yeah, let's shoot four movies simultaneously and hope nothing gets fucked up. Whoops, <laughs> subtitles. Uh, there's a nice spiral staircase at one point, so a little bit of a nod to, to, to Vertigo, I suppose. But yeah. as usual, it's hard to know if it was actually a nod or just some vague sort of hey, you know, what I heard would be a good shot to have in a movie or, or what. Um, oh, there's, um, there's a scene at the end where they actually, they, I, I don't know if they, if they try to lampshade or excuse the incomprehensibility of the plot where she's just like, you know, it's God's will. You don't have to understand. You just have to believe. And I'm just like, I'd like to understand. But no, we don't get that either. <laughs> I feel, yeah. I, I had a note at some point about Satan being a stand-in for uh, the screenwriter, annoyed that the film's audience wasn't properly engaging with the theology. Like, they could maybe sense that it wasn't going to happen, but then they were frustrated. But at the same time, yeah, that's it's because uh, it's, it's really fucking hard to follow what scattered stuff you do when it doesn't jibe with the earlier films and the franchise you're catching it on. So it's, uh, fuck you, basically. Um I want to talk about the whole, the book thing at the end, like Stark is finally confronting Allison. Allison, I think knows at this point, knows, maybe doesn't totally understand the implications, but knows she's a Nephilim uh, after basically a, Hey, you know, shouldn't you be dead by now? Of course you're not because you're fucking Nephilim. Cause I'm Simon, I'm an angel and I'm your dad. And we'll never explain when exactly that happened. Yeah. Uh, but so they're up on this roof a uh, roof of a, a, a church or something. I don't really remember what it was. Um, and she's got the book that this time for real, it's the for real book. And she's been like leaving, tearing out pages and leaving them on the stairs to fuck with him. Cause like what he wants is one page from this book. But you'd think he would know if she was intentionally, obviously leaving pages behind, they aren't the page he's looking for. If she knows she's looking for a specific page, you can safely ignore all those. Cause worst case scenario, one of those actually is that you go up on the roof, you kill her, and then you come back and look through them. So it was, it was confusing as to, why he would be that put back by that. But then, then she like, what does she do? Jump off the, or does she get shot? Oh, she Dylan shot. shoots her. Yeah, Dylan yeah, shoots yeah, her. Uh, Dylan's ordered. So yeah, Dylan, like it's, it's that rooftop scene where it's like, shoot him. No, shoot him. But it's supposed yeah. to, the, the characters are supposed to be identical. So it doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he's got the gun on her, on him, on her, on him. And he's just like one shot to the head. And he's just like, yeah, one shot to the head and just riddles her body with bullets, but not her head. Um, and, yeah, not and her she head. Goes and falling she... backwards, mm-hmm. uh, and tosses and the, paper, the book yeah, into the air, and so paper starts flying everywhere. And just Stark just is like, no, like you said, like a Do real Vader want. scream. And you know, I res- I I don't understand why he would be that upset. He should be like, ugh. It'll yeah, be so like, annoying to pick up all these pages, one of which will be the thing that I want, and that the person who is holding them is now clearly incapacitated for the time being. I'm really, really kind of bummed. This is going to take an hour. Yeah, you think you just be like, just sort of like, yeah, it's like just get to work. His forehead, just uh. yeah. I mean, this should be a fucking Picard facepalm. Just like, oh Jesus, fine, we'll pick him up. But instead, like the film just couldn't deal with the fact that there wasn't really an end game here, other than maybe <laughs> destroying. The, the 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 page. I mean, that seems like the obvious thing to do is just the burn only the fucking page. Book. Is the last one? Yeah, just tear it out and like you know, bindle and staple and 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 whatever you know, yeah. just fuck up the page. It, it's never made clear why this is a big goddamn chase that it is. Uh, 
<laughs> certainly that you'd be crying, collapsing under the weight of having been slightly inconvenienced while basically getting what you want, which is that book out of her hands. <sighs> and then she's not dead. And I think we're supposed to care that it turns out she's not dead. But it's like, okay, we already know she's a Nephilim. She's not going to yeah. die, you know? So she's, and then the big twist is that, yes, the, the final page falls, you know, flies through the wind on the streets of Bucharest and falls into the hands of a young man named Mikhail, which apparently he's supposed to be named, mm-hmm. and who has four distinctive marks on his face, which this little kid does. And it's okay, the, the Antichrist now has the page telling whoever reads it that that's who the Antichrist is. So, I hope you can read Greek. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody, everybody uh, in uh, Romania can read uh, ancient Greek. It's the way it works. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's a special glowy thing. You know, maybe, maybe the glowy text translates like a universal translator to whoever's reading it. Maybe that's what freaked out the priest. He's a sham. He never learned to read Greek, but he's reading this book. And this he can understand. It's like, oh my God, I know I don't know the letter forms. And yet I understand. I think I'll have a heart attack. Um, Maybe there's a lot of subtext and that's why there's only like eight to 10 words on each page. Maybe. And, and, and you inherently understand what it's trying to tell you, even though it says, uh, you know, very little. Maybe it's actually microprinting. Each of the letters is actually a small paragraph written, very tiny letters. And all the people who in the book who see it uh, actually have excellent vision. I mean, it, turns out, it turns out that particular form of Greek is ideograms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's actually a, a, an odd form of uh, uh, Japanese kanji. Uh, that somehow uh, traveled back in time to, yeah, and that was that movie. That was the end of that movie. And ah, Jesus, what a what a lump, what a lump yeah. of shit. What a yeah, what a, was... just a great big pile of why did we do that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm full of regret. Um, but we never have to do it again. Yep. And I want to say I, I did make a note. Like I came out of this feeling like Hellraiser Deader is like this movie really did a lot for Deader. Just by comparison, I think yeah. I think Uprising less so because, as I said, I think Uprising was at least a better yeah. piece of crap. Um, and Hellworld was Hellworld was enjoyable in it. Like Hellworld was one of those movies that you could actually sort of enjoy it in the bad movie way. Plus Lance Henriksen. So. Yeah. But yeah, this this movie definitely reflects better on Deader than it does on itself. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and so uh, let me read the synopsis. Uh, of Prophecy Uprising because I had realized by end in this film you know, this before you do that have you, did you figure out at all where Uprising and Forsaken came from? the names? yeah uh, nope there was, I, there was no Uprising in the first movie and nobody was Forsaken in the second movie yeah exactly it's, it's a bit uh, it's a bit confusing like you could say I guess maybe uh, Allison and her parents were Forsaken by her little brother Sean uh or her older brother, Sean, like, you know, when he turned them into police, he, he sort of forsook them. But that's a hell of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, you could say all sorts of things might be forsaken because Wait, of God's Angels. Wait, I thought that, that angels, was Uprising. But, uh, oh, oh, shit, right, that was. It really felt... Uh, yeah, so I don't Maybe know. the Uprising that toppled the Ceausescu regime? Oh, I guess, yeah, because, again, they really connected that well to their story at all so it yeah. makes it makes a lot of Definitely sense weren't two completely parallel stories that had nothing to do with each other but yeah no let, let, let's assume it's that and then forsaken <laughs> is uh the title that came up with when they realized they had to make this movie too and they were like oh god oh god why, uh, and why then have why have you us? 
forsaken. Yeah. There we go. And, and, and they, they, they were having this discussion at 3 a.m. sitting around trying to get another draft done of the script. And one goes to the other drunk. and they just start laughing. And they're like, yes, that's what we'll call it. Uh, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. Uh, I tried to find trivia about these movies, but there isn't any. Yeah, I didn't even look. I was like, you know what? I've already watching them was too much work. This is this is a sign yeah, that literally we the do only piece of IMDb trivia anymore. for Prophecy Forsaken is this and Prophecy Uprising were filmed simultaneously. <laughs> and the only <laughs> trivia for Prophecy Uprising is that this is the first movie of the saga without Christopher Walken and or Steve Hitner. Steve Hitner has become a staple of the Prophecy series just by outlasting everybody. I I, um, I, I missed him. I would have loved. Yeah. Uh, Although, again, we got chat, yeah. apparently, with him. So. Yeah, and then that's the another piece of trivia, and then there's just two of the cameos were Joel Swasson's wife. <laughs> that's it. That is the only thing people <laughs> found interesting about these movies. So, yeah, read the, uh, read the synopses. Yeah, yeah. So, so, well, okay, so I watched, I watched the second movie first, figured out it must have been the second movie, just because I don't see how some of the stuff didn't depend on their having been a first film, setting up like the relationship with Satan and all that. Uh, and so then I finished the movie and Netflix is showing me uh, as a thing to watch next prophecy uh, uprising a suggestion. And the synopsis of it is an unsuspecting woman finds herself in possession of an ancient manuscript and is being tracked by angels seeking to retrieve the book. That's the synopsis of the movie I just watched. It's literally. Well, and the fact that they open this movie that's barely, you know, 75 minutes long with like five minutes of footage is taken straight from the the early you know the first act of the first film i guess ties in nicely but it's like it was ah let's never do this again what were we thinking yeah. <laughs> let's let's watch let's let's watch marginally less bad movies i am not home. watching past number 4 of anything anymore <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I feel like if I want to watch a lot of sequels that are aggressively bad, cheap cash and sequels, what I need to do is just like do it as a movie marathon thing where I'm like doing something else while it's on TV yeah. and I'm like maybe a little drunk or something. I don't know. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to be doing something else and drunk, both. Yes. Prerequisites for the marathons. Like, oh, I'm going to watch all 14 Puppet Master movies. <laughs> Jesus, those things. I've seen a couple of them or bits and pieces of them. I, I think we may have talked about this before, but I really, I was did super we talk, impressed we talked about them. David Decoteau? Oh, we did talk about that, yes. Under, like, oh, God. That would have been, I, watching one of those terrible, not quite porn, not sure what the fuck it is, uh, vanity projects would have been... Maybe we should have a, these. what do you call it, a spinoff to this podcast called We Have Such Cocks to Show You, <laughs> where we just watch, the worst you know, softcore uh, soft gay pornography and comment on it. Yes. And confuse our wives. Yep. No, no, it's, it's for a project, honey. It's, <laughs> it's, it's ironic. Um, yeah. Well, I really look forward to watching whatever we watch next, because it'll be... It'll be so better much than better this. than this. It'll have to be. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I don't even really care what it is. I just want to, I want to sit, I want to be excited again. I've yeah. two films, two of these films was enough to really like make me question my motivations. Like, why is this a thing I do? I was like, Oh no, the problem is not the project. The problem is these two films. They've just so rapidly sucked the joy out of my life. They've managed to make me <laughs> like, I've watched like three or four other movies that we could totally review on this. Like in the last, you know, two or three weeks, uh, but you know those I was watching and not thinking about having to review yeah. this terrible film, and so it like doesn't even. It's not even like there's two different me's. There's the me who watches stuff because it's enjoyable, and then the me who just watched these two films for some reason, and and that second me 
has forgotten that the first me existed in the oubliette of despair that these shit piles managed to oubliette of despair <sighs> yeah we need to use that for something let's yeah. cut an album all right yeah no we, we yeah we'll just uh we'll, we'll take excerpts from the podcast that we've recorded and throw in some ambient music behind and uh yeah there we go i don't remember do you do anything musical i don't remember if you uh i i can't snap to a beat i i I have me. I have such a rhythm deficiency. It might as well be a disability. So what I'm hearing here is front man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have yeah. to. We'll have to. We'll have to think about it. We'll see if we can. Uh, yeah. I've met Gigi <laughs> Allen's brother. Well, that's something. That's 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 the kind of musicalness. Uh, well, you got anything else? Uh, I think we should. I think we should just run screaming from this episode and and yeah, I mean, never look back. <laughs> if uh, you're still listening to this, I congratulations. You. Yeah, you are. <laughs> It, it was shorter than the films we reviewed, uh, so that's yeah. that's something at least. Uh, so hit the, hit the Facebook group, hit the Tumblr blog, hit iTunes. Uh, you know, just search for "We Have Such Films" to show you on any of these because you got to this. Yeah. You're hearing this somehow, so you've got a head start there. Uh, rate us or review us on iTunes if you're up to it. Give us recommendations or thoughts or condolences on on. <laughs> on facebook uh and we'll uh we'll 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 figure out uh sometime soon what we'll do for uh next fortnight well we'll come back with a movie that hopefully uh will be worth uh sitting through for you and for us instead of for neither let's do yentl yentl that'd be good yeah let's let's just let's do it let's do a streisand kick we'll just uh (laughs) next eight episodes will be all streisand movies i'm pretty excited it's time for funny girl um yeah all right well yeah are you good i'm good i'm 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 good we said all that can be said uh sorry carrie worry for saying so many bad things about the bad movies that we just watched to not be very good in but uh it's your own darn yeah. fault <laughs> and hey uh we'll we'll catch you in a in a couple of weeks hopefully with some sense of hope and uh belief in the goodness of the world returned to us by then godspeed everybody 